deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I am your host, Cece. And I'm Liz. And Liz, I am nervous. Mm. Because just like before the uh, the now infamous turf Etsy plug, yeah, news has kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Do you think WB has wrangled J.K. Rowling? They've got this game coming out. They probably want to make some more movies. Um, what what do you what do you think's going on? <sighs> made peace with not knowing what's going on i i say we just take this as a as a good thing i i don't know like the the thing is is that i think that jk rowling likes to dish it out i also think that she can't take it very well yeah and so i think that these absences are literally just that like she gets herself all worked up and is like i'm gonna post and then it's mm-hmm. like, oh shit, oh shit, I hate this, and then goes away, <laughs> which is great. Yeah, yeah, that's good for all of us uh, mm-hmm. in, our, in our well-being. She did, she did kind of post like a follow-up thread after the the shirt thing. It was like, wow, thank you so much to everyone who loves me. I'm getting hundreds of emails. That's right. I'm getting uh-huh. so many, so many emails from people saying thank you, Joe, for standing up for women or whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, didn't really seem noteworthy. It was just her, her normal bullshit. And now she's just kind of stopped. Yep. Um, and I'm okay with that. Uh, mm-hmm. if she would like to stay away forever, that would be just fine. But it is, it just does make me a little bit nervous being in like these doldrum zones. Yeah. Because last time this happened, I like read a, uh, a an article about Butterbeer and then like an hour later she had posted a bunch of heinous shit. So, <laughs> yeah. So this might be tempting fate. But nevertheless, I think it is important for us to carry on and delve into the slim amount of Harry Potter news that does exist this week, um, which is uh, mostly BuzzFeed articles. Now, this is surprising to me, and I'm curious Mm. if they are changing their tactic Mm -hmm. when they post their their content aggregate clickbait stuff or if they're just kind of closing their eyes and and stumbling forth well well it's funny you should you mention that because my news alerts this week Mm um you know multiple buzzfeed articles yeah uh one of them being uh uh you know harry potter name spelling quiz and then another one which i will read after this um but uh, uh, the preview of the text in the all of these articles on Google News, uh-huh. uh, instead of being like the lead into the actual article, it is an editor's note that says, uh, editor's note, BuzzFeed does not support discriminatory or hateful speech in any form. We stand by the LGBTQ plus community and all fans who are hurt by J- the words of J.K. Rowling. 
So I think that's kind of the, I think, yeah, I think they are just going about their business as normal, but also putting a little, uh, just a little, a little note to everyone. Hey, we're sorry. So sorry. We're still Um, posting this, but we're sorry. That's really funny. Um, Is, are the, are the BuzzFeed um, posts, are they written by BuzzFeed staff or are they the like, really? I was like, maybe they got all the like user submitted stuff that I think they still host on their website. Yeah. I know Buzzfeed can be really confusing with that. Cause it's all, it, it all pops up under like Buzzfeed, like news alerts, but they're not right. always like actually Buzzfeed articles. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's not always their staff. Um, you, I mean, I think, I, I guess I don't really know how it works. It's like, I, no, I'm not yeah, sure if you can still just make a quiz and upload it to BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed is like new grounds, but for listicles. Yeah. Like, like you can, you can make your own. They have all the gifts embedded. They'll like, let you make the quizzes. I think that still works. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was wondering if they were user submitted and then BuzzFeed just flagged all the Harry Potter stuff that way. But that is even funnier that they are uh, like it's, it's it's going through their like official channels and being like, oh, we, we're but we have to sorry. We're, we're so we're so sorry. Um, here's your listicle though. Here's your listicle. They've got the the BuzzFeed has uh, uh, some new sections on their website too. Mm. Uh, they've had they've got uh, please just vote. And Trump has COVID-19. Those are two entire <laughs> entire sections of the website now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Getting out the vote. What's in the please just vote section? Please. A fly please, landed we're sorry. On Mike, <laughs> a fly landed on Mike Pence's head during the yep. debate, and Twitter is going wild. We're going, yes, it's sure. It's, it's practically unusable at this point. Twitter, Taylor Swift baked Biden-Harris 2020 cookies because she's Taylor Swift. I I did I did see that she endorsed Joe Biden. I did not see that she made cookies. That is very Taylor, though. There is a very good picture of her where, <laughs> kind of wearing like a. She's got a very interesting suspenders and uh, long sleeve shirt ensemble going here, holding a big plate of cookies that looks like it. This hold on, I need to. Sh- this is what kind of plate is this that she's got here. That is a big fucking plate. Is that a big paper plate? I'm confused I, about the perspective on the this The perspective photo. here, yeah. <laughs> she's got yowie hands in this. Yeah, this sort of has the perspective uh, of, like, the, the Photoshop uh, hand with a blunt uh, mm. over a different picture. I'm, yeah. This is a little confusing. <laughs> Thank you, Taylor. People are calling out Chris Pratt for making an insensitive joke about voting, and yikes. Can we stop pretending that Chris Pratt doesn't suck and then remembering every single time? I feel like this was just, like, known. He's always sucked. He's always been, he's like a Christian conservative guy, always. That's that's always been It's not a secret. We don't have to relearn that every single time. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's not... That's not news. Like, everyone's always oh fu- oh the oh the the rich guy is is a Republican. Fuck. Oh, but he's so goofy on my favorite show. Oh yeah, he's he's so funny in Marvel movie. <laughs> um, <sighs> Jesus Christ. Uh, people who vote are better at having sex, and here's the receipt receipts to prove it. You know it's true. Buzzfeed. Inappropriate, I think. I'm very contrarian and I'm just this all this <laughs> stuff makes it's like it's like the um the uh 
like anti-smoking ads. It's like, yeah. I, I get your heart's in the right place, but this just, it's, it sort of has a reverse psychology yeah. kind of effect on me. I, 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 and maybe, maybe this is, you know, maybe this is on me. Uh, uh <laughs> but, but I'm just, I'm, I am, I am like fatally allergic to corn, you know, like I yeah. just can't, I just can't deal with it. Um, I am that that's there, and I think and to, before anyone gets mad at me, I think there's a difference between being earnest and being corny. Um. <laughs> I was I was gonna vote, uh, but then I then the postal service thing happened, so now I'm not going to. <laughs> that, that's serious. God, that 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 was mm, fuck that video. That was that was painful <laughs> to watch when Jay Maskus showed up. I was like, no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking I, like, I don't know how many people that had to go through and no one was like this is such a bad idea this guys. is so cheesy yeah <laughs> fuck yeah yeah but nonetheless here's what buzzfeed is writing about harry potter in between these uh, epic voting articles mm-hmm 14 reasons why Harry Potter will always be superior to Twilight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what's this is what's on everyone's mind. This is the debate. This is the real debate. Uh this was what posted What year is it? Well, I'm glad you asked. This was posted 18 hours ago. Um oh my God. but there's a little tag here that says it was updated 3 hours ago. Oh. So I want to know. Is there an editor's note? I want. I'm very curious. I want to know <laughs> if there's an obvious edit in here. Oops. All right. Hi there, huge Potterhead here. Let me start out by saying I have nothing against Twilight. I even had a cardboard cutout of Edward Cullen in my room in middle school. But we don't need to dwell on that. Can and I stop a- you for one second? I know I've asked you this three times already. Uh-huh. This was posted by the BuzzFeed staff. Is that correct? BuzzFeed staff. Okay. Thank you. Now, I believe there's more than enough room in our hearts for us to love both Harry Potter and Twilight, but I cannot stand when someone tries to tell me that Twilight is the better series. So let's settle this once and for all and take a look at all the reasons why Harry Potter is superior. And they put a little gif of Harry Potter clapping from the movie. Free your mind. They're different genres. (laughs) Why does it have to be a rivalry? (laughs) They're just not not even very... like it's it's hard to compare them. They're they're very different. Yeah. In style, substance, genre. Yep. Yep. Well, number one is the friendships are so much stronger. Mm. <laughs> mm. We'll be ha- we'll have some thoughts on that this this chapter discussion. Yeah. I think. Uh, sure. Bella is fond of Ange- Angela and becomes pretty good friends with Alice, but Bella doesn't Ooh. experience anything close to the bonds that Harry shares with Ron and Hermione. They are Harry's ride or dies who will legit do anything for him. Remember when Ron sacrifices himself as the knight so Harry can confront Quirrell? Or when Hermione erases her parents' memories so she she can help Harry save the wizarding world? Sorry, but the most that Alice does for Bella is drive her around Italy in a stolen Porsche. I I mean, again, the stakes of the story... (laughs) Like, I... I feel like Twilight is technically a little bit more grounded in our in our real world. Mm-hmm. So if a friend drove you around Italy in a stolen Porsche, I would say like, hell yeah. That sounds like a ride or die to me. Yeah. Number two, the world building is freaking incredible. Again, something we might have some thoughts on in this mm-hmm. chapter. <laughs> 
Harry Potter takes full advantage of the fantasy genre in modern times. Take Hogwarts, a school so embedded in our culture that just about every person in the world knows which house they'd be sorted into. The books offer us a glimpse into an entire underground society from the Ministry of Magic to diagonally to the Order of the Phoenix. What? Okay. The Order of the Phoenix, I don't think really... That's one, not a place, and two, like, not... Uh, Twilight, on the other hand, is set in the modern human world, but with sparkling vampires who say secret mostly due to the Volturi's insistence. Fun, but obviously not as cool. How is that obviously not as cool? You can't just say that! That's, what do you mean not as cool? Secret vampire society is badass. That's right. Three, the villains are super complex and three-dimensional. Uh. Vol- Mm. Uh, the, the, okay, Twilight, we get a few interesting villains, but they pale in comparison to the evildoers of Harry Potter. Voldemort, <laughs> I powerful- don't even know that Twilight has villains. <laughs> <laughs> they had to, like, invent a whole thing for, the like, the last movie, right? Because there was no, there's, like, no big battle or anything in Twilight. Right, I'm pretty sure that the evil, the evil vampire Italy government comes and they're like, we're gonna kill your baby. And then they get there and they're like, just kidding, your baby's adorable. And then they leave. <laughs> so they made up like a dream sequence fight for the for the movie. Yeah, like the entire movie hinges on a, on the like here's a what if. Like what if it was a big battle? <laughs> what if crazy, there was conflict right? in this in this uh, story? <laughs> uh number 4, Harry is a way better role model than Bella. Harry does what's right and has fun along the way while nobody is saying that he's perfect. I am saying that young girls shouldn't look up to Bella. In New Moon, Edward leaves Bella and she completely loses her will to live. She only begins to find herself when she grows closer to Jacob. What kind of message does that send to impressionable teens? A woman's self-worth should not stem from her relationship with hot guys. I have a lot of thoughts about this that <laughs> I can't eat. I, I cannot, I cannot open this, this. Yeah. This, this this needs to wait this until moment. we. This this needs to wait. Uh, by the way, I I actually bought Twilight. Uh, finally, so I'm oh, I'm, re- yeah. I'm ready to rock for when we can finally get started on on Excellent. our on our new moon project. Mm-hmm. Five. The main characters have distinct, lovable personalities. Uh, I mean, okay, hold on. <laughs> Which one? Oh, Harry Potter has more. Okay. Uh, our favorite trio is very different from one another. Harry's a humble, curious. Harry is not humble. Uh, first, let me just stop you right there. Not a humble, humble boy. Not very curious either. <laughs> not humble or curious with a wonderful sense of right and wrong. Again, no, yeah. not really. No. <laughs> and that, that's not even a criticism. That's just like not who his character is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hermione's a brilliant, stubborn girl who throws herself into her studies, and Ron's a funny slacker who struggles with his low socioeconomic status and being the youngest son. In Twilight, Bella and Angela are both quiet, shy girls, and Edward's very similar to Carlisle and the other vampires, except for his brooding, which isn't an impressive personality trait. Hang on. What's wrong with brooding? What's nothing wrong with a little bit of brooding, but also you can't just say, okay, they are different, (laughs) but I don't like the way they're different, so it doesn't count. (laughs) Come on. This is messed up. Harry understands that sacrifices need to be made to triumph over evil. This is number six. Uh, Bella gets pretty much everything she's ever wanted by the conclusion of the series. Edward, Jacob becoming a vampire, and even her human father, Charlie, and her life. Honestly, it feels like a fairy tale ending for a children's book. In comparison, Harry lost his parents, Sirius, Remus, Tonks, Dobby, and Fred. 
He even walks into the forest to sacrifice himself so they can defeat Voldemort. There's a heavy price to pay for defeating Ur- evil, and that's way more realistic. <laughs> I'm feeling like these are very uh, two different like stories here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, different, different genres, different stakes. Different stakes. <laughs> uh huh. Different the, fantasy. Seven. There are so many inspiring heroines. You can take your pick. When uh, I was a little girl, Hermione Granger was my role model, and she still is, TBH. She's intelligent, brave, and sassy, everything I wanted to be when I grew up. But there are so many other strong women to look up to. Ginny and her badass hexes. Okay, she does one hex. We she don't does, even see it. Yeah, we just hear secondhand that she did a bat bogey hex one time. Uh, Luna and her quirky independence. Hell, even Professor McGonagall. In Twilight, we've already established that Bella inspires no one. That, that really just leaves Alice, who is a wonderful character and all. But how does a woman author write a whole series without a lot of strong, vibrant women in it? This is so insulting. This is... <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate that the way... Like, I think Twilight sucks ass in a lot of ways. <laughs> and anything anyone writes about it just makes me want to defend it. I, yeah, no, it's it, the it's very it is, frustrating. It's one of the it's one of those like only I get to make fun of it things, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's just like for all the very very real problems that Twilight has with like I don't know uh, being insanely racist, uh, you know, a <laughs> lot lot of other problems with Twilight. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh, the things that it did end up getting like a lot of shit for that like stuck with it was like. I don't like that it's a romance novel or whatever. Or like, I don't like that it's a it's a dark romance with a vampire. And it's like, just read something else then. Yeah, the thing about it is that it's a romance novel. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't need to be Harry Potter. Eight, the characters are nuanced. Nu- nuanced. Nuanced, just like people are in real life. In Twilight, you've got the bad guys and you've got the good guys who are pretty much perfect. In Harry Potter, we see the full scope of humanity. I don't think that I don't think this is true. No. I I think that like Bella like okay, she's not a role model. I think that she's a relatively more grounded character specifically because she's essentially a self-insert mm-hmm. and I think is reflecting a lot of like Stephanie Meyer's real like thoughts and feelings and experiences. Yeah. Whereas Harry Potter characters are like just literal archetypes, which is fine. It's just, yeah. it's like, I think this is just not true. Yeah, this is a weird, because like, again, like you say, like, there's nothing wrong with characters being archetypes. I think it's better for something like Harry Potter, right? Where it's like a children's fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I think it is very odd to say that they are more nuanced when like, I guess there's the part where Sirius says the thing that everyone loves to quote, but like, like that's what he says uh to prove that he is like a big hypocrite right like that's not mm-hmm. it's not really the, the his words are not the point of that scene really right um uh nine there are so many captivating magical creatures in twilight we have vampires and werewolves that's so are, true there are, are not very many fantastic beasts in twilight yeah, there's just vampires and werewolves, which are always fun. But in Harry Potter, we get so much more. We got the traditional creatures like dragons, mermaids, and giants, plus completely new creatures like bogarts. Okay, that's not a completely new creature. Festrals <laughs> and dementors. There's creativity on every freaking page. 
different different stories fantastic beasts there it would be cool if there's like a dragon in twilight i guess is there a dragon that'd be cool cool if when edward and bella went to the meadow there was just like a tree and it had a bunch of bow truckles in it that'd be weird (laughs) (laughs) 10 the supporting characters have fascinating backstories honestly some of the secondary characters in twilight are a total snooze fest mike eric and tyler blur together in their lameness yeah because they're just normal people. <laughs> they're just it's dudes. It's a thing. They're just dudes. Compare them with Ludo Bagman. What? <laughs> what a fucking pull. Holy shit. What is Ludo Bagman's fascinating backstory? Ludo Bagman, the hilarious ex-athlete with a gambling problem. Yeah. Or, or Dobby. Yes. <laughs> a helpful house elf who rejects society's enslavement of his race and longs for freedom. Dobby. Yeah, Dobby is inspiring. That's true. I'm I am <laughs> seriously impressed with the pull of Ludo Bagman as your go-to for supporting characters in Harry Potter. Oh my god. 11. The plot twists are wild and unpredictable. Okay. Renesmee was a huge surprise considering we were led to believe vampires couldn't have babies. Other than that, the series is pretty predictable. We all knew that Bella would end up with Edward from the first book. Yeah, it's a romance novel. I think them having a baby is pretty predictable when they spend half the time being like, no, I cannot have a baby even though I would like to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. But I certainly wasn't expecting Dumbledore's death, and nobody could see Snape's twist coming. A seemingly hateful professor who was once a Death Eater switching sides for the woman he's loved since childhood and remaining a double agent until he himself is double-crossed? Genius. There is nothing more predictable than the Snape. Snape is a good guy. It is tele- it is telegraphed on every fucking page that he appears on. <laughs> uh, <sighs> sometimes when you write something, you just really do show your whole ass. <laughs> 12. The character development makes me so damn proud. Aside from turning into a vampire, Bella is pretty much the same girl from the beginning of the series. Now, it's not really fair to judge Harry and Bella by the same standard, since Harry obviously grows up a ton from 11 to 17, but the other Harry Potter characters experience so much development, too. Remus grows to accept his werewolf self enough to find happiness in his marriage. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah that's, that's really good. Yeah, we love really that. good. Really great that, that Remus loves his marriage to Tonks. Good good thing for both those characters. Regulus dies in an attempt. Regulus is not a character. <laughs> he does Re- one. Th- we only know him doing one thing. <laughs> we That's know not him doing this, which is dying in an attempt to thwart the Dark Lord. He's not. a. <laughs> he appears to tell that story. <laughs> and even Percy abandons his ministry loving ways to reunite with his family. We don't get such satisfying characters, a character arcs from Twilight's minor characters. I mean, that's true. Th- yes. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no Regulus, no, no, no Percy in Harry Potter, in, uh, in Twilight. Mm-hmm. 13. Relationships are built on connection and not just looks. Uh, uh. Bella mentions edward's beauty like every other page we get it he's gorgeous in comparison harry thinks Ginny is pretty sure but she's also fierce smart and spirited does he ever say those things i'm not sure i don't remember him saying anything like that i know he likes her hair (laughs) that's right (laughs) i mean i think we know that she is yeah 
Most importantly, she and Harry really get each other. When Harry breaks up with her to pursue the Horcruxes, she get that she gets that it's for a stupid, noble reason. Their bond is built on friendship and understanding. Not just she's not happy in that scene, but uh, I just want to point out, uh, Ginny's not like really great and cool with that scene. Really, no. Uh, she she's resigned to it, but like it's not good that Harry's doing that. Um, are you ready for number 14? Yeah. This one's a scorcher. Mm-hmm. And finally, it's just better written. That's probably true. Twilight is for sure a fun read, and I've gone back to enjoy the series again several times, but you got to admit the prose is a little lacking. If you compare the writing style to Harry Potter, it's clear which one is superior. There's a reason why it's still studied in colleges around the world. Is it? Is it? In college? Is it? Colleges. That reminds ah. me of that reminds me of reading after when uh, when Harry Styles and uh, Tessa read The Great Gatsby for their college literature class. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know about that one. Also, very end of the article, we do have a little update. Oh, uh, editor's note: Buzzfeed does not support discriminatory or hateful speech in any form. We stand by the LGBTQ community and all fans who found a home in the Harry Potter series, and we'll work to provide a safe space for fans. If you like us, feel impassioned about trans rights, learn more or donate here. There's a link to uh, transequality.org. So thank you, BuzzFeed. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, BuzzFeed. Well, that like was I just said, a that was just a shot of adrenaline, huh? <laughs> this is exactly what we needed before heading into our chapter because I got nothing else this week. There's no no other news. Um, I guess the only thing I can say is that like WB moved the Batman movie uh, into 2022. And they that moved, is so far. And they moved Dune into 2021. Wow. So I'm wondering if we're going to get... Because the thing is, it sounded like the Batman... Because obviously, Robert Pattinson got COVID. So that's uh, a problem for filming a Batman movie. Right. But it sounds like they're like also just like not into like the like the like the filming setup for like, you know, they were there. They moved from on location to like all set building stuff. Um, and it sounds like that is just like not working for them. And so they've moved it back to uh, a back a year so they can do it, film it the way they wanted to. I am so curious if that's going to be the same. Cause I mean, they were filming all over the world for the fantastic beast movies. Like they, they, for, you know, for as shitty as those movies are, they did go and film all that stuff on location. Like they, they went to, to France, they went to Dover. They, they, they apparently I think went to China to film some of this new one. Like, right. Early. So like, I wonder if they're going to hit the same problem and be like, we can't film this on a soundstage. Um, right. That would be, that would be interesting. Are we going to get a really weird movie? Oh, th that is a real possibility, huh? Like it's, it's the movie, but it's like all, cause like if they, if they do film it this way and it's like all on a soundstage and it's all like built sets and green screen and it just kind of looks like the bad Hobbit movie or something, mm -hmm. that's going to be really surreal. Like, because, you know, there is there is a lot of bad CG in both of the Fantastic Beasts movies, but, like, the locations are good, right? Like, they filmed in Paris. It looks pretty cool. Like, it'll it'll be weird if you don't get that in a new one. Right. Um, that Yeah, that's a really good point. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but other than that, no, no news. No news is good news until J.K. Rowling tweets... Um, so let's move on to our chapter for this week. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Um, this is chapter 21. 
The Tale of the Three Brothers. This is a mess. This is a just, nightmare. Just uh, getting us ready for what a mess this is going to be. Uh, we're jumping right back in from our little Deathly Hallows cliffhanger, and they're going, what? The Deathly Hallows? What's that? Um, and Xenophilius mentions uh, the tale of the three brothers, which we find out uh, when Ron and Hermione are like, duh, yeah, we know that story. And Harry's like, huh, what? Um, and Hermione has the original copy, and it's in the Tales of Beetle the Bard that that Dumbledore gave her. Um, so Xenophilius kind of prompts her to to read the story aloud. Um and we sort of get the impression with some like interjections and stuff that that Ron knows this story really well. It's like a story that he grew up with being told uh, by his mom. And it's just like, uh, I mean, they summarize it at the end, but I'll say it at the top where it's like, oh, this is like a classic wizard morality story. Um, and so we do get the story read to us um, in very basic um it is a story about three brothers, um, and they uh, happen upon a river that will certainly kill them if they try to try to cross it. But they're like, "Oh, cool, we're wizards, though. We'll just make a magic bridge." Um, and on the bridge is Death, and he is pissed off uh, because he wanted them to die in the river, um, but they they were able to to cross it. But he is cunning, and so he says, "Wow." You thwarted you thwarted me by making a magic bridge. I will give you three. Uh, I will give you each a, a gift to like congratulate you for your cunning. Um, the first brother asks for a wand that beats all other wands, and so Death takes a branch from the nearby elder tree uh, and gives him uh, the elder wand. Uh, the second asks for a resurrection stone because his wife died. And so Death takes a pebble out of the river and gives him the stone and says, this will bring people back to life. The third um, asks for Death's invisibility cloak and Death, and, and it also says like, oh, he's cunning. So Death gives him his cloak uh, and it's a perfect invisibility cloak. Um, the first brother later ends up getting into like a bar fight and kills someone and is, I guess, like revenge killed or like unrelated killed by someone else uh, in his sleep that night and loses the wand. The second brother uh, makes his dead wife come back to life, uh, but she's um, sort of like pet cemeteried. Um, she's not she's not the same. She's messed up or whatever. Uh, and he is uh, overtaken by loneliness and despair because of this and ends up killing himself. Um, the third uh, stays hidden from death with the invisibility cloak for his entire life, grows old, takes off the cloak, and greets death like an old friend. That's the end of the story. Um, Xenophilius basically takes that as like, that's the Deathly Hallows. And he, you know, takes out a pen and he draws them. It's like, a, you know, a line for the Elder Wand, circle for the Resurrection Stone, triangle for the... Um, for the invisibility cloak. And, and uh, we get kind of the impression from like what he says, which is that he thinks that the Deathly Hallows are literally real. Um, and and we also, he kind of talks about like questers and people that are wizards that will have sought out the Deathly Hallows to become master of death. Um, Ron and Hermione are both like really dismissive of that. They're like, this is just a, this is an old story. Like you'd have to be crazy to think that they're real. Um, Hermione starts get, get, gets into a little argument um, about how like, they're definitely not real. And so he says, like, well, prove it. And she's like, I can't prove that they don't exist. Um, and he kind of explains more. He tries to, like, sort of uh, tell his evidence or why he thinks it's real. And, and part of it is, like, a lot of stories have been passed on 
there are many um, like historical figures who have been purported to have like this this wand that rules above all others, and it's been passed on uh, between them. Um, the cloak is is said to be the perfect invisibility cloak, and even though they exist in other ways, those ones like wear off or they get holes in them. But the the original would be perfect, and of course Harry's like, oh, mine's perfect. Um, but there's not a whole lot of stories about the resurrection stone, I guess. So that's the one that's we can't prove that. Um, Xenophilia's leaves to get the get some food or whatever, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione like book club about the about the story a little bit. Um, and we get this kind of corny moment. Excuse me, I don't like to editorialize. We get this moment where they're like, <laughs> "What? It's obvious what we would choose if we were in the story." But they all pick different things that relate back to their characters, um, and they sort of speculate about Harry's invisibility cloak being like the the Deathly Hallow. Um, but they're like, "No way! This isn't real. This was a waste of time. This is stupid." Um, Harry ends up snooping in Luna's room a little bit while Xenophilius is out and and sees uh, the mural of, of their faces that um, says friends on it. Uh, but he also notices while he's there that it's been looks like it's been unoccupied for weeks. And so he starts to get suspicious. It's a little bit creepy. He says, hey, where's Luna? And Xenophilius kind of repeats the same lie to them again. Um, but gets like suspicious, and it's at that point that the like printing press starts printing editions of the Quibbler, and Harry looks down, and and it, they, they're printing anti-Harry propaganda, <gasps> um, and people are approaching. They've been caught in a trap. Um, Harry, Ron, Hermione try to leave, but Xenophilius tries to stun them, which um, explodes because of the rumpet horn in the room. Um, they wait and listen. And the people that have approached are some death eaters. I think Selwyn's there and like maybe another one that is named. Uh, and we hear the conversation that they're having with Xenophilius, which is that they have kidnapped Luna and have coerced Xenophilius and trying to lure and trap Harry to turn him over to them. Um, but I guess he's like, tried to trick them before so he's like you're tricking us again you're trying to blow us up with this horn um hermione's like i'm going to save the day this time if you trust me um she obliviates xenophilius uh, and blasts them a little bit and then teleports them away that's the end of the chapter <laughs> i know that i have said this before mm. but i think that this is maybe the most frustrating chapter <laughs> in the entire series mm. this is horcrux info dump 2 to me yeah and maybe even worse, because not only does the, like, thematic content of this kind of... It's, it's almost actually inverted, because, like, I get what the thematic content of this chapter is supposed to be. Sure. But it feels like it is the um, the big twist ending reveal of a completely different story that we never got to read. Yeah. It is. It is a finale for a completely different book. Uh, and it's a real bummer. I don't like to say the word retcon. Uh-huh. But. I, I am shocked that this isn't the Harry Potter fandom's midi-chlorians. Yeah. No, I think that's a, that's a really good comparison. It's the same, it's the same level of just like, this is unnecessary. There was no actual evidence for this previously. Yeah, no, I, I think it is on the same level of just like a bizarre, completely unforced meddling with the lore of the story. I think it also is so painfully literal, yes. right? 
yeah. in the same way that like midi chlorians are right mm-hmm. like i get what the thematic of the jedi is mm-hmm. i get what that's wrapped up in mm-hmm. so to have a character say like oh it's literally these molecules that's in your blood and it makes you more or less magic yeah i feel kind of the same way about this where it's like oh no there is a literal wand that's more powerful than everything else there there is a literal figure of death uh, that ha- has created these these artifacts. It's super frustrating, and it's like it, it is even more maddening because um, th- it is so obvious, and that like that is the part that that this chapter really struggles with is that honestly, it feels like most of the chapter is dedicated to the characters having a conversation with each other that is really a conversation with the audience um, about how no, this actually does make sense. It's mm-hmm. a very defensive chapter. Yeah, and and I think the other thing that's sort of like in that same vein that's so weird um is sort of the clashing tone mm-hmm. of the book like technically in content being more mature and feeling like it's written for a more adult audience. Yeah. But then when something like this happens when they hear this child's story, they like talk about it like they're trying to talk to a first grader. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just yeah. very condescending and weird. It's and it and it is made all the more absurd by knowing that it is not only real in this universe, but mm-hmm. like they are talking around the evidence that they have that it is obviously real. <laughs> like for one thing, the metaphor of the story is uh, is so like thunderingly obvious that like even if even if the um the hellos themselves weren't real. The, like, idea of the questers is so funny and absurd because it's, like, you're telling me that, like, a bunch of, like, grown-ass adults read this <laughs> read this story and didn't understand what the moral was? <laughs> it, it's, like, it's, like, they read, like, a late, like, a Richard Scary book and were, like, this, pr- th- I will find the apple <laughs> car that the worm drives. <laughs> like, because it is, it is written at, like, such a baby level in, in the book that there's, there is nothing... There's nothing to interpret, right? Like, I do it, want that apple car, though. That would be pretty fucking sick, right? <laughs> but but there's nothing in um, the tale of the three brothers that's like possible to interpret. Um, it, like the, like the metaphor is just is just there. It, it tell it hands it to you on a platter. Um, and so to have the characters like debate on whether or not the story is real when they are one. Like talking, like you said, like talking about like a first grade reading level story. (laughs) And then two, they have to like, like the characters have to actively act dumber than they ever have before to (laughs) reason around the, um, the invisibility cloak. Right. Like, like the characters, like in, in the sense that I, I, I was talking about how like half of this chapter feels like the characters are like arguing with the audience saying like, no, this does make sense. Just go with it. Like the um the fact that they have to like talk about the invisibility cloak and go like no so uh yours is perfect but we don't know that it's that perfect and also there's all these other kinds of invisibility cloak that we've not known about until just now like it is it's kind of embarrassing really <laughs> like it is it is so defensive and so um uh uh like directly in conversation with like an imagined critic 
that it's just hard. It's hard to take this scene seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, there's a lot to talk about here, but it's difficult to know where to start. I think I think I kind of want to like zoom out and talk about like the three brothers tale itself first. And then we can yeah. kind of get into their like um, their like uh, uh, analysis of it. Would you mind reading just like the actual text of the story for us? Sure. I will. Um, we have, luckily, leave it's us all a tale. in italics. Yeah. <laughs> leave us a tale. So you just want the actual like the story yeah yeah it, just right? just give us the story okay well it's very advanced so listen carefully okay. i'm putting my thinking cap on there were once three brothers who were traveling along a lonely winding road at twilight in time the brothers reached a river too deep to wade through and too dangerous to swim across however these brothers were learned in the magical arts and so they simply waved their wands and made a bridge appear across the treacherous water they were halfway across it when they found their path blocked by a hooded figure and death spoke to them he was angry that he had been cheated out of three new victims, for travelers usually drowned in the river. But Death was cunning, he pretended to congratulate the three brothers upon their magic, and said that each had earned a prize for having been clever enough to evade him. So let's so stop the there real quick. Sorry. Sure. Yep. Um, first major giant ding against this. This Here's my, cin- my CinemaSins ding <laughs> okay, here. Okay. Um, is that... For as obvious as the rest of the story is, this is mm-hmm. the one part I actually really like, and I'm mad mm. that it is not the actual focal point of the story. Sure. This idea that uh, Death does not like wizards because mm. uh, they have powers that muggles don't have and can cheat him out of uh, victims. That's yeah, kind of that actually- could be a- that could be a cool thing, huh? Yeah, in this story about how uh, muggles and wizards are at odds with each other. Uh, and that there is a wizard supremacist out there who, uh, who A, wants to cheat death, and B, thinks he is superior to muggles. This could be kind of an interesting linchpin for the themes of the story. It is amazing to me how doggedly unwilling this story is to acknowledge the ways that wizards do cheat death. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, we have the horcruxes and stuff. Yep. But I'm just like... It, it does it does raise questions that I would love to love the story to explore that doesn't like is death mad about paintings is death mad about ghosts mm-hmm. is death mad that like wizards apparently live to be like hundreds of years old right uh there's there's so many cool ideas here and I, I like I, I I read this and I was thinking like wow okay maybe I've not been giving the three brothers thing enough credit maybe this is going to be very cool but it does not do anything with this at all um which is a real shame because i think it is a far more interesting idea than the actual morality tale that it gives here Mm -hmm. anyway sorry continue so the oldest brother who was a combative man asked for a wand more powerful than any in existence a wand that must always win duels for its owner a wand worthy of a wizard who had conquered death So Death crossed to an elder tree on the banks of the river, fashioned a wand from a branch that hung there, and gave it to the oldest brother. Then the second brother, who was an arrogant man, decided that he wanted to humiliate Death still further, and asked for the power to recall others from Death. So Death picked up a stone from the riverbank and gave it to the second brother, and told him that the stone would have the power to bring back the dead. And then Death asked the third and youngest brother what he would like. The youngest brother was the humblest, and also the wisest of the brothers, and he did not trust Death. So he asked for something that would enable him to go forth from that place without being followed by death. 
and Death most unwillingly handed over his own cloak of invisibility. So that one's Griffin. Hmm? That one's Griffin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No comment. Then Death stood aside. (laughs) Then Death stood aside and allowed the three brothers... God damn it! (laughs) God damn it. Then Death stood aside and allowed the three brothers to continue on their way, and they did so talking with wonder of the adventure they, they had had and admiring Death's gifts. In due course, the brothers separated, each for his own destination. The first brother traveled on for a week or more and, reaching a distant village, sought out a fellow wizard with whom he had a quarrel. Naturally, with the Elder Wandis's weapon, he could not fail to win the duel that followed. Leaving his enemy dead upon the floor, the oldest brother proceeded to an inn where he boastfully boasted loudly of the powerful wand he had snatched from death himself and of how it made him invincible. That very night, another wizard crept upon the oldest brother as he lay, wine-sodden <laughs> upon his bed. The thief took the wand and for good measure slit the oldest brother's throat. And so death took the first brother for his own. Meanwhile, the second brother journeyed to his own home where he lived alone. Here he took out the stone that had the power to recall the dead and turned it thrice in his hand. To his amazement and his delight, the figure of the girl he had once hoped to marry before her untimely death appeared at once before him. Yet she was sad and cold, separated from him as by a veil. Though she had returned to the mortal world, she did not truly belong there and suffered. Finally, the second brother, driven mad with hopeless longing, killed himself so as to truly join her. And so death took the second brother for his own. But though Death searched for the third brother for many years, he was never able to find him. It was only when he had attained a great age that the youngest brother finally took off the cloak of invisibility and gave it to his son. And then he greeted Death as an old friend and went with him gladly and equals they departed this life. Hooray. So like- What could it mean? What could it mean? What could it mean? What could it possibly mean? Uh, surely it is not the exact same theme that the Miravera said carried, which is to just, you know, just d- don't dwell on it. Just deal with it. Just, right. uh, get on with it. You're gonna mm-hmm. die. Everyone yep. dies. Uh-huh. So, like, it's cute, I guess. And sure. I think that this would be a wonderful story if we had heard it in book one. Um, and I think that that is maybe, like, the crux of the entire problem here is that, like, you know, I was saying that this feels like a reveal um, uh, that that's, uh, uh, you know, belongs to a different story. I think that's like number one with a bullet is I am shocked that this story. This is the first we're he- hearing of it in book seven, more than halfway through book seven. This thing, it is apparently like a cultural touchstone for the entire wizarding world. Uh, that's um, that's a problem, right? Like, like. Uh, and I think that, you know, it makes it even weirder because, uh, Xenophilius, when this story is like brought up, he's like, oh, the original. And (laughs) there is a version of this like entire series that I, I picture of like this version that is written at like a first grade level being the one that Harry hears in like book one or two or whatever offhand. Sure. And then us getting a much more like literary you know you know ye olde ancient text version in this that has a lot more like nuance right Mm -hmm. but we don't this is the first we're hearing of it and it's right here um the thing that drives me crazy about this and this is something i've been like gearing up to talk about um for this entire season basically Mm -hmm. is like 
this as a as a like parallel to the Canterbury Tales and the Partners Tale specifically. Sure. And like I knew going in that that's what this was referencing. Uh-huh. But like god, what a what a <laughs> like just bad comparison. Just just like mm. you 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 read this and I'm like, okay, I know these are all the pieces of the Partners Tale. Um uh but it is missing all of the important factors that make that a story that people are still like debating 700 years later. And like, right. I know that that is like, like that is specifically the vibe she's going for here is, is, is like, you know, the, the, uh, uh, oh, the, the quest, the questers want to find, they think the story means this thing. And the Ron and Hermione think the story means this thing. And like, that is pulled directly from like the debates around what the partner's tale is actually about, because that is a, story that some people think is like uh just a straight catholic morality tale some people think it is um a satire some people think it is a a specific critique of like a very like localized um uh, a set of like church like related headlines in the years that it was written like it like it was like you know a, a, a medieval version of like i don't know an SNL sketch or something, basically. Like there are there are so many different interpretations of of what on earth the partner's tale means and what it's about and what perspective it's coming from. Um and this story is so dead on the nose to what it's about. This idea that like, oh, this crazy old guy has a weird interpretation of it is just so ludicrous because it's like, well, it's like the it's like again, it's like uh, Richard Scary. It's a baby story. It's not. Yeah, it, even the part where Ron kind of explains uh, sort of his experience of having his mom read it to him, and then he sort of interprets the story for us. But he interprets it as you know, it's a story that you tell kids to scare them into not messing with stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, the, the, where he's like, his interpretation is like, oh yeah, keep your head down, mind your own business. Like, there's not, that's not in the story at all. What are you talking about, Ron? I'd be very curious to see the version of the story that could be inter- interpreted like that, but it's not this one. Yeah, there's just about one interpretation for this story, and that's fine. Yeah, but it's bizarre watching the characters act like that's not the case. Yeah, it's um. It's it's the characters are just talking about something entirely different than what we read, basically, mm-hmm. is is the only way I can take it, especially because like, I mean, like, like you pointed this out and I'm sure it's obvious to everyone listening from from the story that they just heard. But like, it is not even like J.K. Rowling didn't even pretend to like make this sound old. Right. Like there is it's in like plain English uh, and like that's. You know, like I said, like it would be fine if that's how it appeared in like book one or whatever. But if you if you are building this thing up to be like, wow, this is like the 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 crazy text that no one no one can see the real truth of in uh, in, in in book seven is like this is this is for children. This is this is a Judy Bloom novel. Like, what do yeah, you? Yeah, I'm just like, can wizards read? Like, <laughs> I, I I I really. I was expecting because because it is so invested in wanting us to think that it's sort of arcane and hard to interpret. It, it's shocking just how um, written for kids in two thousand seven it is. Yeah, yeah, and like that's not 
that is only a problem, I think, because the characters even the characters talk about it as if it's something it's not. There are a lot of things in this where I like I would not bat an eyelid and just accept it that the characters call out directly and then therefore just become questions to me. You know, if, if Xenophilius hadn't said, like, you know, gotten all snooty and be like, oh, make sure it's the original or whatever, then I wouldn't have even bothered. Right. Like, I, I it would be like, whatever. It's a kid's it's a kid's fantasy novel. It, it doesn't need to sound like actual actual Chaucer or whatever. But like to to have a character call it out and have us have us specifically learn that, no, this is like the original as written is uh, silly. I don't know. Like, it, it's it's a, an unforced error, I, I will say. It, it, yeah, it, it spends a lot of time about it being the, the original, and it seems like it would be really easy to just sidestep it and have Hermione say, like, no, like, no, it, it's, like, no, let's read the, um, it's like, uh, those, like, Shakespeare books that you get, and on the left-hand side, it's, like, <laughs> the original, and on the right-hand side, they write it for you in plain English. Yeah. It's like, why don't they read Xenophilius's plain English version? <laughs> There was that there's that like new Beowulf translation that like makes it all modern that I <laughs> I'm very I, I don't know whether it'll be great or whether it'll be uh really corny, but like that yeah, that's a thing that people do and it would be I would be totally happy to see like a representation of that in Harry Potter. And the second part of that is too, like I again would not really even be thinking about this if it wasn't brought up by the text, but also it's very weird to think about like this is JK Rowling's bag, right? Like mm -hmm. she has a degree in mythology or whatever, or like a like a folklore like humanities degree, right? Like Yeah. This is her whole fucking like deal. And so like I would I expect more out of someone who is like immersed in this stuff, right? Like, mm -hmm. like I don't know. I'm a big fucking nerd. If if you wanted to write like fake wizard Chaucer, that sounds fucking awesome to me. Um, yeah, but that's not really what we get here. We get we just get like, uh, I don't know, like the the something that would be you would find on a kids menu in a at a restaurant. Like it's uh, it's very very basic. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this chapter needs to be any longer than it is. Maybe <laughs> no. it would really like. Um, maybe it would be too much to have Hermione like start reading, um, the original version and have it be like really arcane and challenging, and have Ron be like, "No, that's not how." Yeah, that's not how my mom told it, and then have him tell the story That'd in like be plain cute. English. Yeah, yeah I, I like that idea. There's like, you know, you could have um. Hermione even just say offhandedly like hey like this is in like runes I needed to translate this so I did my best right like, right like just just something at least something to allude to the fact that like this is a you know an ancient tome uh and not something that was written like in contemporary times for these people yeah um but yeah it's, it's just overall just like on its face the this this tale that is supposed to be um you know, pivotal and like, a, like just like the, the like core of wizard culture, I guess at this point, um, is, is a, this, this just on the nose and B we are only hearing about it right now. It's really disappointing. And that continues throughout the rest of this and their, like their reactions to it, which are, um, just, just keep on pulling more and more stuff out of complete thin air. Um, uh so let me let me see um what would be a good place to go next 
So Xenophilius, they finish the story. Xenophilius says it is a children's tale uh, uh, told to amuse rather than instruct. Those of us who understand these matters, however, recognize that the ancient story refers to three objects or hallows, which if united uh, will make the possessor master of death. So this is the this is the big reveal. The things in the story are real um, and there are people looking for them. And I guess have been for a long time. This will be what Grindelwald would have been up to. And that's why he was drawing the symbol on stuff. So, uh, first of all, this idea that the Deathly Hallows is not a swastika, actually. It is uh, just a symbol for people who are looking to defeat death is really funny to me. Like, like Xenophilius uh, g- goes in on Crumb, which, first of all, not a fan of that. But um no. But his his this bizarre this bizarre justification like no no it's it's not uh, um, uh, it, uh, a swastika it's not bad it's uh, it's actually just w- I'm a quester Grindelwald's a fellow quester is very funny to me I mean Grindelwald literally was like he yeah. was looking for them yeah he was looking for them it was his symbol and he was doing his crimes uh, so he could <laughs> find them like that's the that is that yes. is basically the definition of like a bad guy symbol. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeah. What do you what do you um get from the like Arthurian legend angle that this book has for like sort of no reason? I, like this was something that I what like I almost mentioned when in the sword chapter Mm -hmm. because I think that JK Rowling has said, and and obviously it's very obvious the like Excalibur sort of angle, but I almost didn't even think it was really worth mentioning because it's just kind of referencing that. Yeah. Isn't really about that, but now we sort of have the Holy grail here. Yeah. What's up with that? I, I don't have a good thing to say about it. No. It's just like, that's all happening. And I'm not, I don't really know why. <laughs> I mean, it's confusing. I mean, it is if my, my main takeaway is that it's just confusing uh-huh. because it, the things that are and aren't believable in the wizarding world, mm-hmm. I have no concept of because right. like you say, like we just saw Excalibur last chapter. Yeah. Um, And they all know that it's real and that like, they, they just accept that like yeah a sword can determine bravery uh okay right cool. harry sort of intuitively understands it in that moment as yeah. if as if controlled by something outside of himself <laughs> he 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 intuits this this magical truth about it that goes and i think that the reason that, that stuff really doesn't land with me in harry potter is that harry potter is a very pedestrian school fantasy the idea yeah. that you go and do homework about magic and it's like i got to memorize the words i have to memorize the wand movement all this stuff and all of a sudden we're in intuitive ancient magical understanding and i'm like that's not that's not harry potter magic right um, so so that's sort of the like Gryffindor sword stuff and now with the Deathly Hallows that are like oh we're we're the people looking for the Holy Grail. Grindelwald's Hitler looking for the Holy Grail. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it's confusing and it's um I think that these really are the like uh the seeds that were are, were planted where we kind of should have all known early on that like of course J.K. Rowling's like American school stuff was going to be a nightmare, right? Because 
because like it works it's having all of like the arthurian legend stuff like in the periphery is very cute for the school story you know yeah. that, that them the wizards like accepting that merlin is a real figure in the world right um yeah and that kind of stuff like it's it's very cute because it's localized in an english setting and so you don't really need to think about it in terms of like well, how does it relate to the rest of the world right um here now that we are in a like more for one we're out of hogwarts which is already causing problems um and we are learning that like not only is uh a, a, like i guess arthurian legend real and uh wizarding creation myths are real but like specifically the english ones are real Mm -hmm. And then we're going to get the American school later on where, like, oh, someone went to the the Native Americans and, like, proved that their, you know, their magic was was fake and they were charlatans, but there are real Native American God, wizards. God, that makes who, me so it's bad. It's real fucking bad, right? It's pretty bad. Um, Merlin's real and he, he was a Slytherin. Uh, <laughs> but your magic's fake. Your magic is fake, though. It's not. It's not the. It's not the real wizard. Wizard stuff. Yeah, exactly. God. It is. Yeah, real nasty shit. But um, this is like the same thing, right? Where it's like, I'm. I'm like the the lines are beginning to blur, and this like, uh, uh, this story that is clearly like a, like Christian morality tale, is literally <laughs> real in the most boring. Like not even in like a well. You know, it's not even like a, well, it's sort of true. And this is just like a cultural interpretation of it. Right. It is. No, this is literally like a basically a written record of a thing, mm -hmm. um, uh, which is also really interesting, too. So Tales of Beetle the Bard. Um, yeah. Beetle is the guy who's collecting all these stories. So it is technically a story that has a voice. Right. Yes. Um, and that is very interesting to compare with the partner's tale. Because mm. the partner's tale is also a tale that is within a frame story. Right. Um, but the like the big thing in the partner's tale, and the part of why it's such a uh, uh, like still like just such a widely debated thing, is that the character telling this morality tale in the partner's tale is a charlatan. Mm-hmm. And like it is is you know the characters aren't sure if he's making it up if he is um uh, uh you know trying to trick them if he is uh you know as uh, as pious as he you know you know does he have any moral ground to tell a morality tale like that is like mm. the whole like point of the partner's tale is that <laughs> it is a frame story. And the story itself is probably not actually true or literal or anything. Whereas right. here, Beetle is like invisible. He might as well not exist. This is just a story that is a written record of uh, a real thing that happened in history because the Hallows are real. Like, that is just a problem with all of J.K. Rowling's stuff. She has no... For someone who, like, again, has like a actual like degree in mythology analysis stuff has a mm -hmm. real hard time with like figurative storytelling did she go through her whole degree like reading this stuff and in the back of her head was always like but what if it was literal <laughs> what if it was real like what if, what if this was real it's yeah it's baffling right because it's like i don't know the um 
like I said, like like this 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 is proof that she was always this bad when it comes to like the <laughs> um the, my my stuff is real bullshit. But like, yeah, the 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 Christian morality tale just is the actual factual history of the world now, and that is weird. That is that is a weird position to be in as a fantasy author. Um, yeah. Uh, and then the part that is, um, just like really galling about this chapter as, as <laughs> this part continues, I think mm-hmm. is what is what we were talking about a little earlier, which is the way that the characters like one pull completely new evidence out of their ass to justify this. Yeah. And talk around the evidence that already exists for us because it doesn't quite line up with J.K. Rowling's new vision for the story. Uh, this is where I think it truly went off the rails for me. Yeah. I I still think that all of the dialogue that is written for the three main characters uh, reads very fan fiction-y to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just like they they're just not... They've they've lost their characters. Yeah. Like the the one I'd say like the one thing that has like any um like semblance of like what these characters used to behave like is uh you know, Ron saying like, Oh, my mom told me this story and he like likes he likes his mom's version, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's very that's cute. Ron. Yeah, it's cute. That's it's very Ron. Um but that disappears almost immediately because Harry and Hermione are like Harry Harry gets mad at Ron for like cracking a little joke about like his version being spooky or whatever. Oh my God. And he goes like, Oh fear. Oh, that's just what we need now. Ron is some more fear. Like he's a fucking like Harry's hope punk now. <laughs> he's Harry's hope punk. <laughs> like that's embarrassing. And then Hermione is just like a Reddit atheist now when she's arguing with Xenophilius. Uh, it's b- yeah, can you can you explain to me why Hermione just literally plays out like a 16-year-old Reddit atheist arguing with someone online with Xenophilius? What is that? They literally have the back and forth that's like, like Xenophilius is like, okay, but you can't prove it doesn't exist. And she's like, well, you can't ask me to prove a negative. It's yeah, just, the burden of crazy. proof is on you, Xenophilius. <laughs> Which is double crazy because in the past three chapters, our the whole thing has been like, hey, kind of weird that Hermione is religious all of a sudden in regards to Dumbledore. Yeah. And like Yeah, but in this case, she's literally wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these are these characters just change between chapters. They they are whoever JK Rowling needs them to be. And this is, I think, the furthest they've stretched. I yeah. think we've probably said that every week, but they just, I guess they keep stretching further and further. Yeah, and I think it just is such a return to the maddening um, thing of characters disbelieving that something could exist based on nothing. Yeah. Like that, I mean, like that is really the crux of like the the problem with this whole discussion after the story is that it is rooted in something that I know that the book wants me to take for granted, but I just can't, which is the idea that this story is ludicrous (laughs) to wizards. And I'm like, how, how is, how is anything in this story like remotely unbelievable for the world that they live in? Um, And the problem exacerbates itself by, 
I think also taking that same position as, as me and like arguing with the reader about it. Cause they, they go through like, they go through the resurrection stone might be the philosopher's stone thing. They go through the, like, well, the Harry's invisibility cloak is pretty good, but there are also these other kinds of invisibility cloak. It could be thing. Um, they spend a lot of time justifying like, Oh no, the characters are not crazy for thinking that this could be, uh, uh, unbelievable. Like I, this feels like a, a reveal written for like a Da Vinci Code book, right? Like, do if, not insult the Da Vinci. No, code no, no, like no, 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 no. I'm saying the good version of this is the <laughs> Da Vinci Code, right? Where like these are characters from our real world who have never encountered magic, being okay. told no, there really is a stone that brings people back to life, and an invisibility cloak, and a magic wand. Right? And the Catholic Church has it. And the Catholic Church has it. And and the characters <laughs> going like, "What? No, that's crazy. That 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 couldn't be true." And then the crazy guy's like, "Ah, but if you just believe, right? Like like that that works because that is <laughs> a, that is a reveal in a story that has the established framework of how the real world works." But my third eye, my third eye is opening because the whole time I was like, "This is this is J.K. Rowling being her bag. Why is it so bad?" It's, it's not. She's watching the fucking Da Vinci Code when she was writing this. <laughs> Wait, what year did the Da Vinci Code movie come out? Uh, <laughs> movie. Two thousand six. So yeah, the Da Vinci Code was on HBO <laughs> while she while she was writing this movie. It's da Vinci Lord, Code alert. Da Vinci Code, Lord of the Rings. Uh, uh, James Bond. All of this shit has been on TV while she's been writing these books. It all it's all coming <laughs> together. But yeah, no, it's like that that works in that framework because they are being told something that to them is literally impossible. But in this story, we are being told that there is a rock that makes you live forever. Yeah. And the characters have to say, well, I know of this other rock that makes you live forever, but this rock that makes you live forever? That's stupid. That couldn't possibly exist. <laughs> that's, a, that's a story for babies. Like, what the fuck? I, I think that this, this drives me crazy because I, I think that all this stuff that's wrapped into this explanation and this argument with the reader is all an attempt to make the world feel bigger, to feel mm -hmm. like there's a culture, and instead it just like shrinks it. It yeah. really, it really backfires. I am, it's there's too many ideas happening here because so they lay it out and they're like, the evidence for the Elder Wand is the fact that there have been several mythologies and stories about a powerful wand, right? And this like is the, the idea part that's that, so that, close to a great idea, too. Yeah, like, the, like, of course, like, if this thing existed, like, a lot of people would tell stories about it, and the stories would be different, but it would all be referring to the same object. Like, that's cool. And then they get to the Resurrection Stone, and they're like, no, there aren't any stories about that. <laughs> but it does exist. And also, they are simultaneously trying to tell me that this story which is an ancient story about a resurrection stone that all wizard children know about and hear when they're kids. And there's no other stories that have ever been written about a resurrection stone. Mm -hmm. That that doesn't make sense. No, that doesn't make sense. And it, it, and it like is made even funnier by the fact that like 
because obviously everyone reading this has like a burning thing in the back of their brain going like, no, there's the, the, the philosopher's stone, the philosopher, we have a magic stone. It's slightly different, but it does this, you know, it does a similar thing. And Hermione <laughs> says, uh, beetle probably took the idea from the sorcerer's stone, you know, instead of a stone that makes you immortal, a stone that reverses death, like as if those are like, <laughs> as if those are like, complete opposite ends of the spectrum on like unbelievable magical <laughs> objects right <laughs> and also beetle is doing the thing that she and xenophilius just said that no one ever did like no oh no one's ever written a story about the resurrection stone oh except for this guy beetle who wrote a story about one and i guess what i guess i know that there is a real stone that makes you immortal which is a little different but hey stories change as they move through cultures but she just like ignores that i guess like uh, apparently they don't apparently they wrote this one story and we're like that's it for us <laughs> yeah it, it like so, so that speaking of like making the world smaller too like this this whole chapter is peppered with these little details of like either ron or hermione or harry or xenophilius like dropping a little detail and then saying like oh you haven't heard of that i can't believe that and then explaining what it is because we the audience of of course also never heard of it because nothing there is no more bulletproof evidence i don't think that jk rowling is full just full to the brim of shit when she talks about coming up <laughs> with his entire story ahead of time than this chapter right here. Because if yeah. she had come up with this story and planned it all out from beginning to end on the train and like uh, 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 in her notes, like she says she did, these little details, these little things that are like total throwaway details would be in the previous books. This stuff about, oh, Egbert the Egregious and uh, how Godelot died in his own cellar after his son took the wand from him, or uh, the you know the, the the quest for the you know what what is the quest? What are the Hallows? Um, uh, the fact that there are different invisibility cloaks that do different things, um, and Harry's is like uh, uh, you know suspiciously long lasting. These are all excellent tiny little throwaway clues that if they'd been planted anywhere in the previous books would make this chapter feel like a real reveal like an oh wow all of these things that i thought were like just little little gags or just like little filler world building flavor text actually matter mm -hmm. so close to being incredible and it's doubly frustrating because like we have gotten um little snippets of those things before like you know it's so easy professor bins's class the class harry doesn't pay any attention in we still get little details like oh he knows like a little bit about like uh what's like ugnack the ugly or whatever the, mm -hmm. from the goblin rebellions or like right uh uh like like we we have those little throwaway details but they don't go anywhere so there was room for that there's there was ample room for all of this stuff to be planted and for this to matter as a reveal. But instead, we get this absolutely ludicrous sequence of characters just pulling shit out of their ass and saying, like, oh, you've never heard of this? It's like, no, fuck you. I haven't because you just wrote it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, if 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 
I were writing this, if I was stuck in this situation and I had this idea and I was like, this is good. Oh, too bad. I just thought of it right now. I can't go back in time. I can't put those details in. You don't just carry forward like you did. You know, you don't pretend that you did. I, I think that like, again, like you're trying to have it too many ways and acting. I, I think that this maybe should just be a story that no one has heard of. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 fine if you want to, you know, I, I don't think I don't think that it is like objectively better to plan a story out that way. Right. But it is having cake and eating it, too, to like pretend that your story is that and then to write something that is clearly pulled, you know, like 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 entirely fabricated for this book. Right. Like it is mm-hmm. it is so silly to pretend otherwise. Um, like you say, like this should have been the midichlorians moment for this franchise. Yeah, it is uh, um, embarrassing how like sloppy this feels and how I feel insulted by it, honestly. Like, yeah, it's it treats it treats the reader like an idiot for like not piecing these things together that we couldn't possibly have pieced together because we're just learning it right now. Um, it treats the characters like idiots, too. Like, there is I, no reason the character should have such low comprehension of this story. <laughs> and and I I hate to, I hate it because it's like, I am not saying that a character can't be dumb, wrong, yeah. on and on and on. But it is just, it is beyond the realm of believability that they could struggle so much with this story for babies. Yeah. The, I mean, the part where they, like, say, oh, it's obvious what the right choice is, and they all say something different, right? Like, the only character that it makes any sense to have a different interpretation of the story is Harry. Um, I, I think that Harry choosing the Resurrection Stone because he's still, like, dead set on, like, seeing his parents and serious and stuff. I think that that is... Yeah, char- but he already learned this lesson. <laughs> right, right. It is, it, is, it is a characterful, sad moment for a different story, right? Because this whole chapter is just, like, for a different story. Here, here's what fucks me up about this, is that I think that that could work. And and I'm... And maybe I'm... Maybe my reading comprehension is bad. <laughs> but... I thought that all of the Hallows were sort of going to be the perfect version of imperfect magic that exists, right? Yeah, like, I yeah. think that's a cool idea. I yeah. think the invisibility cloak is kind of, I'm like, I'm, that is probably the closest for me where I'm like, that's sort of cool, I guess. Like it's, it's definitely a retcon, but mm-hmm. it's cool yeah. that it's like, there are other invisibility cloaks that exist, but they're extremely expensive. They're not perfect. You can sort of see through them if it's like a disillusionment charm or they wear off if they're like demiguy's hair or on and on. But this is like the one ancient artifact and it's perfect and it can't be recreated. It's like, I mean, I'm reading way more into this than is actually here, but, like, this ancient, like, primal magic that wizards can kind of, like, make approximations of, but can never achieve that thing, right? So I thought all of the Hallows were going to be that. Mm -hmm. The Elder Wand is sort of that, right? It Mm -hmm. it kind of has a, like, genie's trick part on it, where it's like, oh, well, people will try to kill you and take it it from you. (laughs) Right, yeah. Um, The Resurrection Stone... I sort of, like, if I was sort of carrying this arc for Harry through where he had to learn that you have to accept loss, you mm-hmm. have to accept when someone someone leaves you um, and, and be okay with it, all of the other, like, versions 
of living forever have been like sort of imperfect. Right. Like the mirror, yeah. the mirror of Era said he could see his parents, but they weren't really there. Um, or when Voldemort, when they came out of Voldemort's wand as ghosts, they weren't like alive again. Mm-hmm. So I thought the resurrection stone was going to be the real test. I thought that was going to be this thing does what it says on the tin. This is going to bring someone back for real. No strings attached. Mm-hmm. And then Harry's like lesson was going to be, no, you have to accept when someone's gone and like turn away from it. But right. It's not. It's it's like Pet cemetery. <laughs> right. I, I think it's going to be even funnier when we do get the uh, the like the scene with the real resurrection stone, because for I guess for whatever reason for Harry, it's not going to be Pet cemetery because he's good, I guess. Who does he bring back to life? His like whole like everyone he like gets. Uh, if I remember right. I could be completely wrong because it's been, like I said, a decade or so since I read this book, right? Um, but if I remember right, when he uses the Resurrection Stone, um, a bunch of ghosts come out and it's like Sirius and his parents and like maybe even Moody. I don't remember. Um, but it's like everyone significant who's ever died and they're like, they like give him like a pep talk before he goes out to fight Voldemort. Okay, but did they die again? I guess he walks away from it. I, I maybe maybe that is like the maybe there is like an element of like the oh this is the test and he you know he walks away from it. I don't remember, but but it does bring back ghosts and they are not pet cemetery. They're not like oh, oh kill me like they're not uh you know they're not fucked up like in the three brothers story. Well, why are they fucked up in the three brothers story then? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know here's what i want i want them to be in fury inferny in fury whatever uh i think that that would be a cool pull if it's like yeah this is the you know voldemort had has the resurrection stone and it's how he made his fucking zombie army like that'd be kind of sick right yeah so i'm learning some facts mm-hmm and it's something i forgot to mention in the summary because i can't tell you how boring it is to me <laughs> There's a part where Harry's like, is this related to the Peverells? Oh. And Felix is like, you know about that? And Harry's like, yeah, I saw it on a gravestone. And then it's just like, whatever. Um, and they're like related. But apparently the true lore is that the Peverells created the Hallows. Now I'm even more confused. Oh my god. Really? Mate? Or the brothers are the Peverells? Yes, the brothers are the the Paravel or per- Peverells, what um I think. I guess at some point Dumbledore says that he thinks it's unlikely that the, the Hallows were made by literal death and were maybe created by the Peverells. <laughs> and that and Beetle fictionalized the story. <laughs> Does that help? No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> That's important to that. That wait is that is that going to be in Dumbledore's uh, uh, fucking purgatory sequence? Is that where we learn that? I'm just it's, I'm just on the wiki. <sighs> it just says that Dumbledore says that at some point. Oh, you know what? You know where I bet that comes from? Hmm. I bet that comes from the fucking illustrated Beatles of Beetle the Bard thing. <laughs> I so, have that. Oh, do you? You yeah. Because because I think that has no. I have I have like the the 
um, not the like new one that was released, but the one that was released, like the the special edition that came out with Deathly Hallows. Might, you might want to double check that one still, because I think I think that the, the whole conceit of that was that it had like a foreword and like annotations by Dumbledore. So that that adds an extra wrinkle to this that is very annoying. <laughs> Apparently, it says it in the in Purgatory. Oh well, that okay. So hang on a second. So in actual fucking purgatory, yeah. Dumbledore as a fucking spirit or whatever tells yeah. Harry, you know, I think that that <laughs> God fucking. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. No. Oh my god, that's so funny though to have to have your character like as a ghost in purgatory be like, you know, I think I think that all that like you know, magic afterlife crap. I think that that was probably made up by those guys. It's like, <laughs> what are you talking about, man? You're here. We're in purgatory. What, what is and isn't um, logical for the wizarding world? Like, like for, for any of these characters to like, to like, you know, be, be, be have like any sense of like skepticism about, I just don't understand. <sighs> I mean, it doesn't matter whether death made them or not. No. Um, but I guess the the one that made the re- resurrection stone brought back his brought back his GF, and then the GF was like, "No, I don't want to be alive." <laughs> it's so much cooler in death. I yeah. was, I'm grinding. I'm grinding out my my bow. Right. I'm giving nectar to Artemis. Let me go back. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um. Yeah, I just there's there's so many little details too, like the uh oh, Mayborn witches will marry muggles, jinx by twilight, undone undone by midnight, wands of elder never prosper prosper. You must have heard of them. My mother's full of them. Yeah, no, I haven't actually heard those things, Ron. Fuck you. Maybe maybe <laughs> maybe we could have heard some of those uh incredibly apparently popular aphorisms at some point during the seven books that we've read so far. Uh yeah. I none none of this none of this makes sense none of this strikes like a reveal because of um of of how haphazard it is and it only raises questions about like okay so like what is magic and what is real and like what is unbelievable for wizards like we have no framework for what is and isn't uh, uh possible with magic and the it's fact- very funny watching her try to retcon culture. Yeah. To for wizards because because the way these are, books are initially written is that they are normal people, but they use quill pens instead of <laughs> instead of ballpoint <laughs> they're, pens. They're right? just British people. Right. Yeah. Like there's not there's not really that much of a cultural difference other than that like they're a little more whimsical, right? Like there's no we've not heard other than like Merlin's beard. I don't think we've really heard many like wizard exclusive phrases really. Certainly not wands of elder never prosper. I mean like we've had multiple scenes in a wand shop and it feels like maybe that would have come up there possibly. Yeah, it could have been it could have been cute if like Neville had an elder like a wand made with like elder wood or something and, yeah. it, and Ron was like, "Oh, poor guy." Yeah, something like that. Like, that's going to put a target on his back. Or like what That'd if be- That'd be good. What if during like the the weighing of the wand ceremony where they're going through like every contestant's wand, they're like, oh wow, an elder wand, huh? You know what they say? And the crumb is like, shut the shut the fuck up. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I 
like I just something like that. I don't know. Like I I uh I I I just can't I can't wrap my head around like who who read this and was like, damn, it all it all clicks together and I feel like I have I I have not been bamboozled by Midichlorians too. I uh I I like you say, like I just I read this and I'm like how is this not a big pop culture disaster at this point? Right. It just, it, I like this, you know, like we, we on the common room, we were talking about uh, game of Thrones again. And, um, I think that for as bad as that, like last season got, I don't think there's anything as bad as this in there. I think this is like way more of a betrayal of like, what Harry Potter was supposed to be about and like what you were supposed to take. And like this idea that like the, the big twist in book seven could hinge entirely on facts that we are only getting in book seven is just kind of like, it's, it's really bad. I don't, there's not really any other way to talk around it. It's just not good. It is a really unsatisfying conclusion that we're heading towards. I, I don't object to magic of this kind existing in Harry Potter, but it sure feels like it should always be kind of in the periphery. Yeah. I think that the cloak is kind of close for me, but I, I think that if you like keep it sort of ambiguous, it's more fun. This is just like so painfully literal. Yeah, yeah. The, the I mean, like the funniest thing about the cloak too is that even the text knows that it's like, probably the most like reasonable one but like has to make it seem like this like crazy object because like like dumbledore in book one said oh i have ways to make myself invisible without a cloak right Mm -hmm. uh and so like we know that the concept of invisibility is definitely something that is like on wizards minds in regards to like the magic they can do yeah but i love this weird justification from xenophilius about like Hey, if someone had an invisibility cloak that never ran out, uh, they would be like the richest person in the world, right? Because I guess, I guess he, I guess Xenophilius has a very like uh, uh, cynical view of humanity, right? Like he's like, oh, they would be a thief or whatever. But if that's the case, are there not thieves who just like use the normal invisibility cloaks for like <laughs> one job and buy a new one? Like what? <sighs> This weird way that it's, like, trying to say that, like, oh, these are common and real, but also, uh, I guess, uh, bad and not as good as the as the crazy Hallows one is maybe the most nonsense of these, like, uh, justifications for, like, these objects existing in here. Yeah, having, um, because, like, again, you said this before, but this book, this whole chapter is so defensive, right? Yeah, it's trying yeah. to head you off. yeah. From asking any questions. And, like, I guess the big one being the, like, invisibility cloak, because when Harry got the invisibility cloak in book one, it's Ron that's like, wow, that's an invisibility cloak, right? <laughs> right yeah. Um, yeah. I-, I wish that we had seen other ones. Well, yeah, we'd seen like, other ones. The bad or like, ones. No, and no character has ever been like, wow, you have a fucking invisibility cloak. That's crazy. Like, Snape knows he has one and confiscates it right and like yeah like uh, uh lupin knows he has it and because obviously you know his his friend had it in school uh um hagrid knows that they have one uh malfoy knows that harry has one and just drape remember on the train where like instead of stealing the invisibility cloak 
Draco just like puts it back over Harry like like it's just a normal thing and he doesn't uh-huh. go like it, it, Draco doesn't go like wow you have a fucking invisibility cloak like yeah uh uh no one is again similar to those aphorisms similar to those like history facts this book has had like those series has had so many opportunities to um sow the seeds for a reveal like this and just taken exactly zero of them, which is why mm-hmm. this feels so defensive, right? Because it is, it knows exactly the questions you are going to ask it. Um, uh, yeah, I just think that at the point where you know the questions that are going to be asked, I don't know if the tactic is to just <laughs> and have the characters answer yeah. your criticisms. Yeah, it is. It is really, really funny. It is. I mean, the the invisibility cloak one really is ludicrous, too, because the like that is the one I think that they are able to talk around the least just because we've seen the invisibility cloak so much. Right. Mm -hmm. Like even Ron is like, well, Harry's cloak does actually last a long time. and His dad (laughs) gave it to him. And then they sort of have to change the subject to like get away from that line of thinking, because if they if they talk about that for too long, they will just land on like, oh, okay, I guess these are real. I guess the right. uh, the, the hallows are real and exist and uh and the invisibility cloak is one of them it's like it's staring them right in the face and it's not even like there's a version of this i suppose where this could work where it's like yeah the truth is staring them right in the face and they ignore it just just like when people ignore miracles right like like, like there's there's the <laughs> christian story version of this that would at least be something Sure. But she can't even do that. She can't even take the most basic ass Christian morality tale version of this and weave it into this insane, uh, uh, like retcon. Again, like you said, don't like using that word, but I can't think of anything else to describe it really. Like it is, it is a retcon of like wizarding culture and the story we know of it, uh, so far. It is, uh, it's bad. (laughs) It's, it's really, really, um, lazy. Yeah. We do have an action sequence. We do have an action sequence. And I will say it is. You know what? It's stupid, but it's something and it's kind of fun. Even if it's um, like what it's going to be about after this chapter is making me mad. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about red barrels in video games, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm kicking myself because I almost... Um, I almost brought up the rumpet horn. Mm-hmm. I think in like both during our chapter discussion last week and also during my chapter summary. Yeah. Um, because the it, I I couldn't decide if the book was being really sloppy or <laughs> if it was gonna matter. And I landed on I think it's just being sloppy because the the horn is brought up and it's like he has this dangerous thing and has this like back and forth with Hermione about how dangerous it is and how it can explode. Yeah. And I thought it was just like he's so crazy and I'm like this is just extraneous information so I left it out. But no, it's an exploding video game barrel. But here's the thing, we can't give JK Rowling too much credit for that cuz it was for me, I think I was maybe um, putting too much faith in her to not have uh, Chekhov's gun thing go off uh, literally one chapter later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it. But I will say, it is nice to see a little bit of Joker Hermione come back and have her uh, blow some dudes up with a red barrel, um, uh, obliviate some guy, and then do like a weird kick flip while apparating Harry away. Kind of yeah. rules, honestly. 
<laughs> um, however, it it is a bummer that this is all going to be this is going to be like Hermione's big gesture to Harry because she's like, oh, do you trust me at the beginning of this? Right. And it's like this is going to be her like big. OK, now we're even thing. And I'm like, you're already even this wand argument that you're having with Harry is is all on him. Uh, Harry's the one being a little a little freak about it, not you. I the do you trust me line it, it sure feels like that has a lot of meaning, and in this case, it doesn't have any. <laughs> you know, like that's that sort of that's sort of big big talk for a story. That's a yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't really mean anything. Well, I mean, like it, 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 the meaning it does carry is just sort of sad because it's like it, it's Hermione, like you know, making good on this this like rift that's been forming between her and Harry. Um, but it, I feel bad that like this is the gesture that Hermione has to make to heal that rift when we have it out of Harry's own mouth two chapters earlier that um you know he knows that uh there was nothing that could have been done and she saved his life but he, yeah, he's right. still being an asshole to her about it um yeah uh so like i i i i think it is a really cool thing like see like I, again happy to have joker hermione back just wiping a guy's memory blasting an old man down the stairs with a red video game barrel uh and making him do the half-life ragdoll all the way down the stairs um that rocks glad to have her back um but but like i feel like i i don't know i could be wrong but i feel like the next conversation we're gonna have in the next chapter is just going to be her being like see now now we're even i have saved your life twice now and harry's like okay i guess i guess i forgive you for the one thing um do you, do you think they're gonna talk about going to save luna or is it just like oh too bad i don't know I really don't know how to take the Luna stuff because I think that scene is really cool. I think that's like maybe the best part of this chapter is like the um, them deducing that Luna's yeah. not there, right? Like that's a little like you, you were saying it has kind of a little bit of the like Resident Evil chapter feel. Yeah, I uh, mean that chapter was so good that this just seems like a stupider version of that. But <laughs> but, but I still I like I'm a sucker for those moments where characters like think everything is cool and then start to notice that like something is wrong. Yeah, um, so, yeah. So that's like a pretty good payoff. Yeah, I think that's a cool moment. And I do like the standoff with Xenophilius too, because mm -hmm. he is he is obviously being um, you know, uh, uh uh he's betraying them, he's 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 doing a bad thing, but like I do feel for him, right? Like they've kidnapped his daughter, like that sucks. Uh yeah. Like it's a it's a hard moment. Um there's like the description of him like licking his lips and like uh you know, kind of calculating in his mind like what he's gonna say like that's um that's cool yeah i i i like that moment um but it is uh uh you know i guess small comfort in this chapter that is like just a big a big fucking mess <laughs> what do you think of Luna's um, photorealistic paintings okay. of them on the wall? Yeah, this is how I want to close out this chapter discussion, because yeah. I think we both have a lot to say about this. Uh-huh. I think that the image that that conjures is amazing. Yeah. I think it's very sweet. I think that <sighs> the if we just take it in abstract in what it's describing, um, uh -huh. that Luna has painted all of these friends, and, and I think... Most importantly, I think what is is really bittersweet about this is that, like, 
Hermione and Ron are pretty shitty to Luna, honestly. Yeah. And so there's like this real I don't even think they're really friends, to no. be honest. Like they fought through um they fought through like the ministry together. Um, but like they don't hang out. They all talk about Luna behind her back. It's really only Harry and Neville who like give her the time of day, right? Yeah, and I get the impression that Neville is like her actual friend. Like yeah. they hang out and stuff. Yeah, and 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 with with Harry, it's more like they don't hang out very much. But like Harry does have a fairly deep understanding of her that not many other people have. Um, yeah, and he he really is like uncommonly kind to her. Like uncommon yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think those have been some of the best moments in the series, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I think that that just that image of like, oh, she's painted these 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 portraits and she's written that, oh, these are her friends. I think that is adorable. Um, the way J.K. Rowling describes it is psycho. <laughs> like she she takes this honestly very adorable image and weaves it in a way that sounds like Luna is like a murderer in uh, a Hannibal <laughs> subplot. Like it is. It is so weird, especially it's it's particularly the like the way she describes the writing. And it's like friends, friends, friends with like ellipsis between them. And I'm like, that is the way that you have written this makes it not cute. Yeah, it really just is purely the framing. Um, I also just was like confused and had to reread because Harry just like for the reason that he goes into Luna's room is because he like looks I don't know if it's, like, upstairs or what, but he, he like, thinks he's looking in a mirror at first, or he's like, I, I'm looking at, like, oh, it's me. But then he's like, oh, no, it's a painting. And I'm like, damn. Damn. Is she, like, fa- painting, like, photorealistic murals in there? Yeah, Luna is actually a Dutch master. Uh, uh, that's crazy. That's pretty cool. Um, but you you spun a theory about this that I really like. Um, which is that J.K. Rowling? Actually, you know what? You 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 take it from the top. Explain explain your uh, your take on this because I I was really fascinated by this. I like it a lot. I think I think that J.K. Rowling really struggles with and ultimately fails at portraying compassion mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah, I mean that's really it, right? Like I I think that. I think that you can look at her strengths in writing and and be like, I like, it's gonna sound probably worse than I mean it, but I think she's very good at portraying like cruelty, yeah. and there's really nothing like very wrong with that. No, and and in the cases where where it's bad with her is that she, instead of portraying the cruelty of like, sort sort of like passively or like portraying the humor of the way people treat each other mm-hmm. she often injects some of her own shitty worldview into it and that's when it always veers into like oh these books are mean right mm-hmm. and i think that that's true i think these books are mean but i also think that that's like a good and a bad thing a lot of right. the time no, oftentimes I, the way these books are good is in their meanness no i i th- yeah the 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 mean spirited kind of sarcastic streak carries a lot of the humor in this series right in a really fun way i mean like Mm -hmm. all of harry's comebacks in the first book right um yeah all of the non-fatness related dursley stuff is uh very mean and fun and you know very 
very much like irreverent of like uh, British uh, uh, upper class society stuff, right? Um, right. Um, and like even like I mean like one of my favorite ones is in um, uh, is it book five or six where um, Hermione is just like dripping with contempt talking about uh, uh, how she's dating um, that new guy uh, while talking to Parva- uh, Parvati. And, uh, and, oh, yeah. And, like, is just really laying it on thick while Harry and Ron are in earshot, right? Mm-hmm. That, like, like she, she is really good at portraying, like, just, like, fun teenage meanness sometimes. Right. Um, but... As, you know, as, 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 uh, you know, things continue is that it feels more like, and this was your, uh, your theory that I'm, I'm, I'm just like really, really chewing over and enjoying is that she just can't write compassion at all. Like, yeah. Cause I mean, Harry goes through the motion. I mean, that's, what's so weird about reading this is because it's presented in such a bizarre alien way Yeah, where it's like, this seems creepy to me, or this seems weird. Uh, yeah. But not because of the thing, but because of the way it is written. Yeah. Because it has that edge. But then Harry reacts to it pretty much, like, like sweetly. And is just like, oh, that's cute or whatever. And yeah. It has, like, this sudden, like, fondness for Luna. But I'm just like, I think that she really, like, sort of falls flat when she needs to just depict compassion between friends and friendship. Yeah, like I, the first thing I thought of when you brought that up and like explained it to me, I was like, you know, all those jokes that I cracked in the early books around like the Christmas chapters about how like Harry, we never saw Harry get anything for his friends. Like, I think that's kind of maybe part of it, right? Is like, like, because that would involve having to write Harry being very earnest and going like, okay, what would Ron and Hermione like? And like, I just feel like she might sit down and short circuit if she ever had to write something like that. Cause Harry never considered like we see actions that like suggest um that you know they are friends sometimes, but most of the like the bulk of their interactions are just when they're mad at each other. Yeah, and and I think that like for a kid's book, it's like Obviously, the fantasy of being a kid is getting gifts, not giving them, right? And, and in some ways, it's sort of, like, unfathomable to be, like, 11 and be like, okay, time to go shopping for gifts <laughs> right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And now, But now, all of a sudden, we're kind of, like, further further into it. And and the story kind of relies on us being invested on these, like, continued falling outs that these characters have. But there mm-hmm. is no anchor. There's no. There's nothing bittersweet about it. There's nothing like, oh, I want to go back to how it was. Um and like, oh, look at look at how much we've lost because these characters are fighting because we haven't lost anything. Right. Like, what this was the last? What was the last selfless thing Harry did for his friends? Um, let told told Ron that uh, Hermione is like a sister to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah so you go ahead, bro. All yours. Runway's clear. <laughs> uh huh. Um, because the fir- the main one I thought of was like. Uh, Harry buying Ron those binoculars at the World Cup. Yeah. That Ron couldn't afford. He's just like, don't worry I about mean, it. And even the way that that's portrayed is it's not really, um, it's it's completely thoughtless, right? And and that scene is more about Ron's ego and lack 
of yeah. than it is about Harry trying to do the right thing. Yeah, well, and there's also, it. it is also still, and I, I, I don't think this is necessarily a criticism on its own, but I think it, it, it is just another kind of point um, in our favor here, is that that scene is also, like, drenched in, like, teenage meanness, right? Because uh, instead of, like, you know thanking harry for it or harry saying like don't worry about it harry's joke is like that's like your next 10 christmas presents or whatever right like which is a funny <laughs> yeah. it's a funny line right like it, yeah it's it's good like british teenage like bullshitting back and forth but it is like still it's still like cloaked in like sarcastic humor rather than being like a genuine earnest moment between these characters the only character that harry is earnest with is luna which makes this scene even funnier, like right, like like all those moments that we've been taken aback by and really enamored with, um, especially in book six where uh, Harry talks about like taking Luna to the Slug Club as you know as friends or whatever, and she and she is like genuinely moved by that. Like that is really the only time we've ever seen Harry, um, like emotionally available with a friend. And, like, being truly open and earnest with them. And I'm sure all that stuff is, like, supposed to be implied with Harry and Ron and Hermione. But outside of their, like, sacrifices for each other in book one, uh, when they're in the literal, like, metaphorical friend uh, sacrifice chamber, (laughs) we don't really get any more of that in the series. Mm -hmm. We just are, we just accept their, like, even the best book in the series um uh prisoner of azkaban um has like a really frustrating lack of resolution for the conflict between hermione and ron over the pets right Mm -hmm. which is a real bummer because i think that that is a really good conflict and like like you know we went into it in depth in in those episodes but like it is a really interesting like class difference um story as well as a like just like a friend's bickering story Right. But it never actually resolves. Everything, every argument between these characters resolves because it has to, rather than, like, the characters actually doing anything to resolve it one way or the other, right? Yeah, I mean, that's really the thing, is that I think that these books are very aware that, like, obviously conflict is what makes stories fun, right? And so we go through, and and J.K. Rowling's good at writing meanness and conflict and 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 making that sort of fun some of the time i feel like now i'm saying that i'm like i probably talk about how frustrating it is all the time but there's never any resolution there is always an event or a magical object or something that takes precedent over the conflict and makes it go away yeah yeah they they always put their conflict aside for the greater good, they never actually resolve anything, which could be a really good bit of storytelling if the story was doing that on purpose, right? Like if if characters were like constantly putting aside their conflicts and 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 bottling stuff up because they thought the other stuff was more important, and then it eventually explodes worse later. Like that would be something, right? But like that's not what this is. Um, I mean, it sort of drives me crazy because it almost wants wants makes me want this story to lean into its meanness and have these characters that need each other for, for whatever reason do the thing. And then be like, God, now we never have to speak to each other again. 
Yeah, if, if this ended with him being like, you know, we were school friends, but I kind of never want to see you again. <laughs> that would be really sad, but like... Uh, that happens. I mean, that is sad. Yeah, there are people I don't talk to from school anymore, right? Like that's that's a thing that kids go through. Uh, that would be interesting. Yeah, it's it is it's just so baffling to like try and piece together. Like, okay, why outside of the necessity of like, I guess they're the only ones who put up with each other, and um, uh, you know, will make like actual risks for Harry. Um, because he's the chosen one or whatever. Like, what is their actual relationship? Like, Harry says Hermione's like a sister, but he sure tr- doesn't treat her like one. Uh, outside of teasing her and being horrible to her, I guess. Which I guess, <laughs> I, I guess, family does do. But like, he doesn't treat her like a sister. Uh, I, I was. It's very funny to read that line coming off of me going like, like, you know, I think that this, the more the series goes on, Harry and Hermione as a couple makes way more sense than Ginny. Um, and then for him to go like, oh, she's like a sister. It's like, oh, uh, well, okay then. Oh, really? I, uh, oh, really? Okay, whatever you say. Um, um, yeah, I don't I'm, like. I, I mean, I guess like the conflict with Ron running off is the closest that anything has come to a resolution. But the thing is, is that she's so bad at writing those like, moments of understanding and like true true caring that it ends up being an after school special <laughs> like we talked about how weird that scene is and how they both just suddenly became youth pastors talking about how like oh shucks it it, it would be nice to believe that miracles are real but that's <laughs> it, it's so stilted and bizarre yeah in the same yeah. way that this harry like the way that luna's paintings are are presented here and then having harry go like oh that's so sweet Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't come off as very genuine. No, yeah, it is. It is a very, very sweet idea that is like undermined by the way J.K. Rowling writes. And I think I'm going to be thinking about the J.K. Rowling can't write compassion thing <laughs> for the rest of this series. I think, like you, you mm-hmm. saying that has has opened my third eye. I think I am. Yeah, I'm, it's it's sort of driving me crazy more in just like the 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 zoom out what people think about the series. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it's about, this both series is about love. It'll tell you that, you know? Yeah. It's, it literally says that. Yeah, um, that is that you. is the word the characters say over and over again, but it doesn't actually feel like it's about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, Dumbledore could say, like, you were saying, like, you know, Dumbledore might as well have said it was about loyalty. It wouldn't change right. anything in the story. Um, com- compassion and love factor very little into the story outside of this idea of, like, the innate like um uh property of like maternal love as, right. as like, I mean, some I, sort of divine feminine force right and even the it just like is a literal like force field right <laughs> it is, it it's, is a, yeah it's a it's a bubble that protects you from gun spell it's a bubble shield but there's and that's fine um but the, the book doesn't spend a lot of time like exploring what that means or what love is um you know, amongst the the characters that are living in that world, the characters do not appear to love each other in any no. capa- like like platonically or romantically. I basically never want to hear again someone say like, <laughs> "Oh, how is J.K. Rowling so shitty? She wrote a whole series about love." <laughs> right? Yeah, because there's there was like yeah. no actual love evident in the text, other than characters just saying the word. Um, but the characters themselves. 
uh, just don't seem all that loving um, of each other uh, at all. And it's it really it really sticks out. Well, is there anything else in this chapter you want to discuss or shall we take a quick break? Let's take a break. All right. We'll be back after after these messages. I leaned into it. (laughs) Doing it on purpose now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um, I hope you enjoyed that ad break uh, with the very real advertisements. What are we advertising? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> we we um do, do would so do companies get mad? Like uh, like I know I know that like you know lots of podcasts <laughs> do like Blue Apron ads. Yeah, but like those are, those have to be official. But like if I started saying like like. <laughs> Hey, uh, Blue Apron, uh, uh, number one um, uh, uh, food food subscription service, now guaranteed to have thirty percent uh, less Ebola in the food. Like, mm. they they would not like that, presumably, right? Uh, yeah, you could get sued. I think. Okay, well, I'm not. I'm for for the record, <laughs> that's parody. I am not saying that uh, to go and use promo code less Ebola for uh for uh a deal on blue apron mm-hmm. yeah because it will not work <laughs> and it is simply parody it is simply a joke and a parody and not real mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so i um i i was thinking a lot about the third segment this week because i was like i don't know i don't know if we can top dementor internship and i, I think i've been might thinking need- about dementor internship a lot it is so good. It is all encompassing. I, I keep on imagining new ways to make that make sense. To like try to piece together what that person was envisioning with that statement. Um, I hope it's in the game now. I am now a uh, a, a Dementor internship truther. I mm-hmm. want that in the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll definitely be in the game. I think the developers will certainly see that. Be like, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great idea, and put it in. <laughs> we. We got some really good comments on the on the Patreon and on Twitter, uh, uh, suggesting that it was like the Chow Garden from Sonic Adventure. Ooh, yeah! I like I like that idea a lot. That mm-hmm. you're raising little little baby Dementors and raising them up to do to do soul sucking. Right. Um, I li- I like that one a lot. Um, so I kind of have a grab bag of stuff mm-hmm. uh, this week because uh, there's kind of a lot of fun stuff. All over the Harry Potter media sphere, uh, while I give the, um, I'll, I'll say that the 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 video game subreddit is on cooldown. Uh, we can't possibly top Dementor internship yet, so I'm gonna l- let that one rest for a bit. And we're gonna we're gonna turn to um, the old subreddit and perhaps Quora. Um, oh, did you uh, get into Quora? Mm, maybe, maybe I did. Mm. I might I might have some Quora content. Um, but we're going to start with um, with this uh, uh, kind of a running theme, I suppose, coming from the video game subreddit uh, where everyone was posting their like wish lists for the game. This is called Hogwarts, the imagined HBO Max television series. Oh, yes. 
Some kind of HBO Max television series set in the Wizarding World seems like an inevitability, but where, what should it be about? When should it take place? Who should it feature? Is there a is there like a difference between like HBO shows and HBO Max shows? Or is there like a line between those? I'm still honestly trying to figure that out myself. HBO Max like, is just their streaming service, right? I well, because there's also HBO Go. I hate I, the future. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't remember what the difference between all of them is. Um, uh, but this person clearly likes the Max branding, I suppose. Um, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. That should be the full name of a future HBO Max television series that will go on to be popularly known simply as Hogwarts. Here's my- <laughs> I love this. I love that they thought about the real name and then the colloquial name. Uh, <laughs> um. The series would be about life at Hogwarts and the coming-of-age story of its students set during the 1970s. Equal parts teen drama and magic, the protagonist of the show would be Lily Evans, later Potter. She would be accompanied by two friends to mirror the relationships of Harry, Hermione, and Ron. These would be the future Mr. and Mrs. Longbottom, Alice and Frank, who in this adaptation would be the same age as Lily. Other I don't main want this. Sorry. <laughs> Are you sure? Sorry. Other main characters would include Severus Snape. Well. You sure, we sure you don't want well, it? Well. You have anything to say for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Who introduces the muggle-born Lily and the viewer, especially young newcomers to the franchise, to the wizarding world in a fitting way at the beginning of the show? Did, did they say young newcomers? Yes. Uh, for an HBO Max for show? For an HBO Max <laughs> show? Okay. All, the whole family gathering around the TV, TV, TV set. Is, so is HBO is... Max the HBO PG uh, streaming service? <laughs> of course, James Potter, along with his marauder friends Sirius, uh, uh, Remus, and Peter, would be part of the main cast of characters too. Bellatrix Lestrange would also be a peer of these characters in this adaptation. The relationship of Lily and Bellatrix would mirror that of Harry and Draco. Okay. So you just want the same story I with different names. I already have this. And all the characters are doomed. <laughs> we would lose ourselves in the halls of Hogwarts with these characters and more for seven seasons. Okay. Big wishful thinking energy here. Yeah. Lo young love, friendship, rivalry, Quidditch, spells, and enchantments of everyday life at Hogwarts would be set against the backdrop of the first Wizarding War and the rise of Lord Voldemort. Lord Voldemort that would occasionally lend a sense of seriousness and dread to an otherwise cozy watch. Oh, okay. I don't, does this person watch HBO shows? Maybe, I don't think. Maybe I'm the one who's confused because I can't imagine an HBO show that it's, if it's seven years, presumably they start and all the main characters are 11 years old. Is that really HBO's bag? No, I mean, like, I think the closest thing I can think of to, to this is, like, HBO has that show Euphoria, which is a teen drama, but okay. it's still pretty, like, heavy. I mean, 11-year-olds are... That's, yeah. That's, that's You can't kids. make an HBO show with 11-year-olds. I don't think... Uh, yeah, that's not... I don't think It's not that, really what they're doing over there. I, I, I think, I think this, the, the more cursed answer here is that to the, like, cause what they're describing is a CW show. Yeah. Hell right. Yeah. Um, but what, 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 in their mind, HBO means quality. This is, it means expensive. And I think that's kind of what they're going for here. Okay. Uh, um, 
after the class of 78 graduates from Hogwarts, oh, after the class of 78 graduates from Hogwarts at the end of season seven, at least one more season would follow to conclude the story of these characters as they enter opposing sides, the Order of the Phoenix and the Death Eaters, respectively, um, at the height of the Wizarding War. The story, of course, culminates in Lily's ultimate sacrifice as she defeats the villain of the show, Lord Voldemort. Wow, spoilers. Spoiler alert. Harry is handed over to the Dursleys before the curtain drops. It seems to me that it would be a no-brainer to pick this era of the Wizarding World to adapt for the small screen, given that it has not been explored in any of the films aside from the occasional flashback. This would fill the gap between the original series and Fantastic Beasts. When you think about it, Lily Potter is, uh, was as much responsible for the defeat of Voldemort as Harry Potter, so her story certainly is worthy of being explored. Huge mistake. Not Wrong. a character. Wrong. <laughs> not a character. Her story serves the story we already know. Ultimately, I would like nothing more than a television television adaptation of the books. A television series would allow for more thorough adaptation of the source material, which I would very much like to see, but probably it is too soon for that. So my hope would be that once, quote unquote, Hogwarts concludes after its eighth season. Hang on, hang on a second. <laughs> you said seven seasons. No, on Concludes season. after its eighth or so season. It's going to be like that, um, that extra season of like scrubs that everyone hates. <laughs> sort of a dated reference but like when they tried to bring scrubs back yeah. it was like oh even if God. you like scrubs it sucked so much ass <laughs> it's, yeah it's gonna be like season four of arrested development where it's just yeah, like, nope, yeah. none of these none of these people want to be here this sucks <laughs> um uh it is off the air for no more than a few years before it begins again and again oh. with a ninth season that picks up the nine seasons of Hogwarts. Okay. Uh, that would pick well, the story up. How are we adding all these seasons? <laughs> okay. A ninth season that picks up the story many years later in 1991 as a new cast and crew adapts the books for the small screen and retroactively reveals Hogwarts to be a reboot of a cinematic franchise. <laughs> what? What? So not only, not only is this a Harry Potter HBO prequel, yeah. but it is also a stealth, a nine season stealth reboot. Beautiful. I love of it. Of what? Uh, I'm glad you asked. By the time the series comes to a final conclusion, HBO Max would be the home of 16 or more seasons of an epic saga in Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. 16 or more, huh? And this is after <laughs> a ninth season secret <laughs> prequel. Yeah. I yeah, that would be amazing. They they've actually added a little a little extra note here in yeah. small in small text. Sure. Did anyone say Harry Potter and the Cursed Child for the 17th season and beyond? Whew. 17, and, and beyond 17 seasons is like a that's approaching like simpsons territory what season is supernatural on <laughs> so supernatural is on its 15th season right now <laughs> Longer, longer than Supernatural. <laughs> HBO 
will sink will sink untold riches into this <laughs> stealth reboot prequel. I love it. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> that is quite a gamble, HBO Max. Yeah. I uh I I support this this poster. Yeah. I hope I hope they get the series they want. I hope they get seven like TV series at th- at this point like like I just saw that Netflix canceled a bunch of shows that hadn't even made it to like season 4 they yet. They didn't cancel the order, did they? No, I don't think so. Good. Oh, I hope oh, I hope not. Oh, actually, hold on. The the order season 3, did they? Uh, has the order been canceled or renewed? Okay, neither, neither okay. yet. Neither. I know. I know. Season two after season two is like the most dangerous place for yeah. a show to be on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm. I, I hope. I hope that the order survives. If any show deserves seventeen <laughs> seasons, the order is it. Uh-huh. Um. But uh, yeah, no. So so God Godspeed to this poster. Um, some comments. I like the idea of a Harry Potter TV series, but I don't think Lily Evans would be a good protagonist. We know almost nothing about her in her time at Hogwarts. The I mean, yeah, interesting- we'd probably learn about her <laughs> if she's the protagonist. <laughs> yeah. They'd probably write some a story for her. Yeah. Well, the OP agrees. OP says, not knowing much about her seems like a pro to me. Because that gives the writing staff of the show a lot of creative freedom. Like deciding what characters her nucleus of friends consist of. With James, that is already set as being these four boys. Nobody would want that altered. Also, the most accurate portrayal of James is probably that of a popular jock type of character. Not always a nice guy, which isn't a great fit for the protagonist. Yeah, we can't have a protagonist that isn't always nice. Yeah. On HBO. Mm-hmm. Nope. The H- as HBO is known for having protagonists <laughs> who are nice yes. all the time. Uh-huh. Um, here we go. Here is another uh, 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 Reddit post. Please don't be a snob. Harry Potter is for everyone to enjoy. Now, this is going to be a very real story that I'm about to read for you. Mm-hmm. It definitely happened. Yeah. Sorry for the rant, but I feel like this needs to be said. I'm rereading the series and currently on book one. However, uh, uh, I don't have much time to sit down and read. The time to sit and read is few and far between. As a result, I'm listening to the audiobook version whenever I'm driving. So the other day, I picked up my little brother and two of his friends from a movie, and all three are huge Harry Potter fans. I'd go as far to say that they know this series better than me. So when they got in the car, one of the friends shouts, please turn this shit off. Audiobooks are worse than the movie. <laughs> sounds like you got owned, my friend. <laughs> well, so first of all, okay. I, I also like audiobooks. I can't imagine having an audiobook <laughs> on in the car with other people. Like yeah. I'm pulling up to pick someone up from the movie theater. Yeah. I open the I roll down the windows and shout out, "Hey, I'm here." You know, I send send them a text or whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. Then they open and instead of, I don't know, whatever cool music I I I'm listening to. Yeah. They hear Jim Dale <laughs> really just blaring through my car speakers. Um, is that uh, the funniest audiobook you can think of to listen to picking so like like what is what is the funniest audiobook you can be listening to when giving I, I, someone else a ride? Okay, just just purely thinking of like 
um oh god there's so honestly like like i feel like some it it would have to be something that's like really um either like really wordy like if you put someone (laughs) up and you were listening to like moby dick or something (laughs) Uh just 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 some classic literature yeah or the opposite direction like you pick someone up and you're listening to like uh, uh, like a Captain Underpants novel on on audiobook, <laughs> or like, oh yeah, here I'm because like Harry. I mean, Harry, listening to Harry Potter book one is not that far removed from that. Like, oh, I'm picking someone up from the airport and I'm listening to Little Wolf's Book of Badness in my car. <laughs> I actually think like if you have to have some sort of like joint listening of an audiobook. Like, if you're going to pick someone up and you're going to be partially through a book, I think Harry Potter is, like, probably one of your best bets. That the, That's the one of the most are normal that they, ones. They can also just listen to it because they've <laughs> probably read it and are familiar with it. Mm-hmm. It's still super duper weird. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. That's a very weird thing to do. Like, um, if, if, if you're on, like, a road trip with someone and you're like, hey, do you want to throw on an audiobook? That's fine. But, like, picking yeah. someone up in the car and you're, like, midway through a chapter, like, oh, sorry, I'm listening to my stories. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's a, um, there's a, a really blessed thing that happens uh, in my neighborhood a lot where um, uh, the, the garbage collectors here... Uh, are listening to audiobooks very loudly when mm. they come and pick up the trash mm-hmm. and it's always detective novels that's great um and i can like i'll be i'll be like sitting in 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 the office and i'll like hear the truck pull up and i'll just hear booming throughout the street like some agatha christie descriptions which is very it's very cute that's wonderful that's a great thing to be doing that's 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 perfect audiobook uh uh placement because uh, because you're not picking your friends up from the movie theater or whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's sort of rude. Like, they don't know what's happening. Yeah, what if you're spoiling it for them? Like, yeah. what if you're you're like, oh, sorry, I'm listening to the I'm listening to the new like Southern Reach novels, and they're like, hey, I've, I'm still on Annihilation. Stop right. that. Yeah, I'm. I don't want to hear this yet. Um. Uh. So the OP continues. Excuse me. And then in quotes, yeah, the audiobooks are for people too lazy to sit and read. Plus, you're robbing yourself of creating a voice for the character. How old is this kid? (laughs) (laughs) These TikTok teens are out of control. These TikTok teens have some really (laughs) strong opinions about audiobooks. (laughs) Yeah. It went on and on to the point where it dwelled into a shit-flinging gatekeeping contest between Mm. the two friends. You can't call yourself a Harry Potter fan if you've never read the entire series in a span of two days. I read <laughs> what? you two days, huh? Wow. That's a lot of reading. Yeah. I read the ent- I read the entire series on a cross-country family road trip. I met Rupert Grint with two Ps. Mm-hmm. So you haven't even been to the <laughs> wizarding world of Harry Potter yet. I've been three times. You can't even tell me what butterbeer tastes like. <laughs> This is brutal. This is a brutal takedown. <laughs> definitely. Here's the thing. Uh, this definitely didn't happen. Right. But I feel I feel like normally if you're writing one of these like stories that definitely didn't happen to get attention on the internet, <laughs> you wouldn't depict yourself getting absolutely shredded by by some TikTok teens. <laughs> just just completely roasted by these kids. Yeah. Uh, That's messed all- up. 
all of this over someone how someone took up the series. Is it really that big of a deal? Epilogue. Text from Little Brother. Epilogue? Yeah, there's a, a an epilogue here in this tale. <laughs> OP got a text from their little brother. Now you see why we can't get dates in school. What, why? I guess because they like I they they care about the sanctity of the novels too much. Hmm. I guess well, this definitely happened. Right. Um, and I and I feel for I feel for this. Opie. How are the How are the replies? I I need to like. Are, I mean, they must all just be like, "This didn't happen," right? Oh, I wish. Fans like this are the worst kind. Sound like twelve-year-olds trying to win win some sort of weird nerdy contest. But they are twelve, right? No, the OP replied and said, "Close, they're seventeen-year-olds." Oh no! <laughs> Just here's here's this fake story about me getting obliterated by some seventeen-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna guess these kids are high school age. Ignore them. One trick I've learned in teaching is not to take anything kids say personally, and that kid that told you to turn it off was just being obnoxious. Turn that off gets met with my car, my rules. Enjoy Harry Potter, however works. Put if you're picking, I don't know if you're if this really happened, and and this is like you know, so I, I'm guessing like early early mid twenties older brother picking up these seventeen year olds from the movie theater. Yeah, and you're like, and 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 I'm I'm I'm, you know. I'm, I'm believing taking them at face value on that mm-hmm. wouldn't just turn off the Harry Potter like I don't know like play some Migos or something just like try and make don't you want to seem cool don't you want to seem cool to the 17 year olds a little bit rather than like because they are merciless look at this look at this even the fake ones are roasting you this hard for listening to an audiobook yeah play I mean something it's either that or you put on something really cringe to make them regret saying anything yeah put put some classical music on make them make them listening to make them listen to some like bach on the way home as mm-hmm. punishment um, yeah they'll, they'll just tell you it's uh recordings are bad and you have to listen live <laughs> the acoustics in this recording are terrible these teens <laughs> These teens have a real a real picky taste in conductors. They will not listen to anything by the Academy of Ancient Music. They really just want to hear Suzuki. <laughs> oh God. What a great story. Yeah, great. That would, real that would be story. so messed up. If that ha <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to see if there's any comments in here that are like this didn't happen. Uh, I definitely do see pe- like I, there's a kernel of truth in here, as with all great stories, mm-hmm. where people are like weird and dismissive about audiobooks, like it's not real reading, um, and that's stupid. Yeah, no, it is. It is a stupid opinion. I I will absolutely agree with the OP on that. Like, absorb books however you want. Who cares? Um, but uh, but 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 this is a very pay it no mind. Pay these teen these TikTok teens no mind. <laughs> still, I'm scrolling all the way through, and I'm still not a single comment about it not being real. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Nope. That, I think that settles it. It's real. It's real. No one, no one, no one called it out. So it's, it's, it's real. Uh, and I'm very sorry to the OP and I can only say just, I don't know, just play something cooler. Play, play like an edgy <laughs> podcast for them instead. If it has to not be music, 
Oh, do you have an edgy podcast in mind? The, well, what about the Shrieking Shack? <laughs> a Harry Potter reread podcast for Laps fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> you can't, you can't, um, you can't get insulted by teens. Otherwise, you've, you've already lost. You've lost. You've lost. If You've lost the battle at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if the teens get under your skin, they'll smell blood in the water, and you will always be the audiobook guy. Yeah. Do you think that, you know that, um, I, I don't want to say meme, but I'm going to anyway. That sort of meme that goes around in, like, Harry Potter fandom, and it, it's like, pure blood. You have read the books <laughs> right, and watched yeah, the movies. Yeah. Like, muggle-born. You watch the movies but haven't read the books. Do you think that there's, like a tier above pure blood where it's like you've read the books in two days flat. in two days you've had you've met rupert rupert grint <laughs> you've, you've been to the tasted, wizarding world at least three times you've tasted butterbeer and can uh-huh. describe what it, what it tastes like yeah um and you will not listen to the audiobook in the car absolutely not uh uh, uh that is that is beneath you yeah that's got yeah that's got to be a, a, a that's like master of death that's collecting all <laughs> of the deathly hallows yeah but for being a harry potter fan exactly okay this last one i have for you is very special because mm. i made it into quora excellent and so it's I, a question it is a yes it is it is a question uh-huh um and and it is one that i think is has been on our minds for a while and, and continues to linger um, in our heads. Uh, in Harry Potter, what was cut from the torture scene between Hermione and Bellatrix to keep it from being R-rated? That is such a good question. That is such a good question. I'm very excited to know if anyone here has some uh, insight into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raven Black, who has read all of the books and watched the movies. Uh, in two days? It was, so it doesn't say how. Yeah, so we can't take their their um their answer completely uh, <laughs> at face value because it does not say anything about how fast they read it or whether or not they read audiobooks in the car. Right. Um, but they recall reading multiple articles that had Emma Watson saying for that scene to get into character, Helena Bonham Carter were, and her were screaming back and forth with each other to give a more menacing vibe. Helena even had to apologize multiple times to Emma, to which Emma said it was okay. But Helena uh, thinks she went completely off the rails. Some reality, we probably only saw a small piece of the yelling compared to what it really... Are you telling me that everything they filmed didn't make it into a movie? <laughs> That happens? That happened. You're telling me that they filmed for a whole day and they only put like 30 seconds in the movie? Hold on. That's just irresponsible. <laughs> uh, this article in the first two questions answers some of your question. Unfortunately, I can't find what I originally read, but this does talk. See, no one knows. No one can find the the, the truth eludes us. Um. The, the this the is the real... greatest Harry Potter urban legend. I I hope that we get like a like if there's one running gag on this podcast that I hope gets resolved by the time we finish this last book. I want I want some sort of resolution to the um uh was there delete is there a deleted scene here? <laughs> they should um they should lure people to the new Fantastic Beasts movie by putting the extended uh torture sequence just <laughs> after the credits. With no explanation. <laughs> oh, fuck. That, yeah, that would that would get butts in seats. I'd be like, hey, we've got we've got the Bellatrix Hermione torture scene in here. Yeah. Did I did we talk on the show about the thing I found where 
someone on a forum somewhere had like posted an audio recording of it that everyone thought was real and it turned out it was dialogue from the video game (laughs) (laughs) someone seriously like posted on this forum because there was a thread it was like a blu-ray collector's forum or something and it was like has anyone does anyone know if there's a version that exists i want i want the full i'm just so intrigued by the acting the acting is so good, I want to see more of this scene. And someone was like, <laughs> yes, I have a cam rip of it, here's the audio. And they had, like, recorded <laughs> the cutscene from the game on their phone to make it sound like it was a cam rip or whatever. And, every- and there was, like, a whole page of people going, holy shit, it's real, I can't believe, I can't believe it, you gotta post it, dude. And then someone <laughs> finally came in and was like, this is from the, the video game, like, this is from the cutscene. Uh, so amazing. <laughs> Um, uh, this links to the Fandango article that I think we read a little bit of, and I have some, I have some news about that. Mm. It's been deleted. So our, our podcast, along with like the Wayback Machine, might be the only record that still exists of the insane shit that David Yates said about that scene. Huh. Interesting. It's gone mysteriously. It was, it, I it, it's not on Fandango anymore. Um, Does Fandango still exist? Fandango still exists. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But this, but this, like this blog, the blog exclusive Harry Potter director David Yates on torturing Hermione is mysteriously <laughs> gone. <laughs> that was wow. the weirdest. Isn't one of the lines in that like, wow, she really became an act. She finally became an actress. Yeah, he's this. so fucking weird in that interview. He's really weird about it. He is weirder than I mean, like it, it checks out that like all of the people uh, uh, who are like, huh, you know, I kind of want to see. You know, I heard there's like an extended. It's the acting is so good. Like he is just that, but he got to make it. So right, it's a little. It, it's very weird. But yeah, unless it's just this is just a like error on uh fandango's part it, that that article seems to be gone hmm. um some more answers uh nothing they actually added a bit with bellatrix using her knife to car- carve the word mudblood into hermione's forearm the movie pro- the movie is probably worthy of an r rating really wait hold on a second <laughs> movie should have been rated r really goblet of fire the movie should have also been rated r it has an extended torture scene and a hand being cut off what that's a cartoon movie that's a car- goblet of fire is a cartoon movie are you telling me that empire Strikes <laughs> back needs to be <laughs> wait hang on all the star wars movies have limbs being cut off i don't yeah. think they I mean, the, the hand being cut off in Goblet of Fire is very similar to, like, Star Wars. I would say the Star Wars ones are more graphic than... The the one in A New Hope before they decided that lightsabers cauterize wounds is mm-hmm. actually, like, super gross. There's just, like, a full-on shot of, like, a bleeding arm on the floor. I I don't know. I, yeah, I still don't know if that re- requires an R rating. I do not think that the torture scene in the films was less horrible than the books. It is true that they cut out Bellatrix cruciating uh, Hermione for quite some time, but the filmmakers added the scene of her cutting the word mudblood into Hermione's arm with a knife, which is just as bad and maybe even worse, in my opinion. (laughs) I'm dreading that shit so bad. (laughs) I forgot that that was a movie special that they just had 
Who had that great idea, huh? I bet I bet a certain director mm. might have come up with that one. Like, hey, what if? Just just saying, ladies, I have an idea. <laughs> um there's some really good Bellatrix questions on Cora. This is the most specific to the um um to the movie one. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to read you some of these questions. Uh, how did Bellatrix torture Hermione? <laughs> what did Draco do while Bellatrix was torturing Hermione? <laughs> Why did Bellatrix bite Hermione? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. There's another one here specific to the 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 movie. Uh, in the Malfoy Manor scene, Bellatrix tortures Hermione, but all we see is mud blood carved on her arm. Because of the loud screaming, it is assumed that Bellatrix did something more to torture her. Did she? Probably the magic torture spell. Probably the magic guess. torture spell, I would imagine. A lot of a lot of people just want to they want to know what was going on. It was probably the magic torture spell, is what I probably I'm the magic torture spell. <laughs> I would guess the convenient magic torture spell that uh, she is shown to be an expert in uh, because Harry tried it on her and she was like, haha, no, you need to put more points into hatred to use that spell. Right. Why did Bellatrix bite Hermione? In my opinion, she's trying to scare Harry and Ron more. Look at me biting your friend. <laughs> <laughs> that is really scary. That is that. Damn, she's so scary. Okay, well, that's that's kind of all I had uh, uh, lined up, unless you would like to read some uh, Harry Potter uh, costume descriptions from Halloween.com. Mm, let's do one. I want to hear one. Okay, you want to hear it's one? It's a little Halloween teaser. A little Halloween teaser, Halloween costumes. I think it was the... I'll do the... I'll do the Dumbledore one, because this one editorializes quite a bit. Mm-hmm. The mystery of Dumbledore. No matter how much time you spend poring over the lore in the wizarding world, it is pretty certain that you won't ever uncover all the secrets that have been hiding under Dumbledore's hat. Some wonder if he might have been the original Death, waiting at the crossroads. What? Do they? Is that... Is is that real? Is that the one that uh, uh, J.K. Rowling says is offensive? Uh, no, the one she doesn't like is that he made a horcrux. Oh, right. Yeah, she's offended by that one. That's right. Um, others suspect that he may have had something in common with his friend, the phoenix. What does that mean? Is he a bird? <laughs> Many aren't sure that he had any huge conspiracies up his sleeve, but they are sure he had more things hidden than he ever shared. Whether you think Albus Dumbledore was one to keep things hidden or share his stuff... There is one little bit of non-canon lore that's always fun to play with. In the films, mm. Dumbledore looked one way at the beginning and changed his shape as the years went by. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Muggles might say that he had to be recast, but holy shit, can you hear that helicopter? No. There's a loud military chopper flying over. Mm. I said parody. Uh... Muggles might say that he had to be recast, but others wonder if this is just more of Dumbledore's skullduggery. 
Uh, he died, actually. The, the, the actor actually died. The actor died. The so actor I don't, did I don't die. know if this is in good taste. The actor did actually, in fact, lose. He passed on. Right. He is, he is no more. And, and that was why he changed shape. Mm-hmm. Whether you wonder if Dumbledore was swapping shapes or if you just enjoy his magical mischief. Magical mischief! It's back. What does it mean? (laughs) uh, It isn't uncommon for wizards to shift their shapes. Who is to say that when you step into this deluxe Dumbledore costume that you aren't the genuine article living out another life? Discover the secrets of the wizarding world as one of the most powerful wizards ever seen. That's wonderful. I must stress, he did die. The actor is no longer with us. Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he died. In real life. He died in real life. Uh, They had to to recast him because he did not exist anymore on account of being dead. Yeah. Well, I hope that was a good teaser for everyone because we we will be revisiting those um, Mm -hmm. in the coming uh, weeks because uh, that is not the most insane one I could find. Um, (laughs) But for now, I think we should probably take it to the close. What do you say? Yeah. Our theme song is Haunt McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use it as our theme song. You can find them on Bandcamp, and you can check us out at patreon.com slash shriekcast. We have so much fun content there for you. Uh, We got gamer talk. We got movie talk. We got other book talk. We got lots and lots and lots of stuff, all for the low, low price of $3 a month. And Liz, what are we reading next week? Uh, We're reading chapter 22. It's called The Deathly Hallows, which I thought we already covered. <laughs> but I guess we're going to cover that some more. Um, right. Also, the, the illustration uh, in my book, uh, so like the original Marie Grand Prix illustration, yeah, yeah. It looks to be uh, Ron and Hermione huddling around um, like a, a fanciful radio. So I think they're about to listen Ooh. to some podcasts. Oh, it's podcast time. I'm so mad that my edition does not have those illustrations because those are like genuinely very cute. Um there. I had I had one illustration this week, uh, and it was like of Xenophilius and the rumpet horn and like the whole room that they were in. Mm-hmm. But it's so small on my phone because they formatted it in like it's like in widescreen. It's like a sixteen by nine illustration. <laughs> Wonderful. And so, like, it just kind of looked like a brown smear on my page because it's so tiny. Because I'm reading on a phone, mm-hmm. uh, and and it was just kind of nothing. And I'm like, damn, I want the the actual illustrations back. Yeah, they're pretty cute. They don't fit the tone of the book at all anymore. No. but um, but they're cute. All right. Well, I think even if even if you love those illustrations. Uh, you should probably please read another book. Please read another book. There's a lady in there, makes ocean raw seem tame. Better know what you're after if you catch a eye. Cause this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.